Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzone. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Boy. It is John Boy time. I am the COVID kid. I am COVID barely 18. Joining me as ever, the handsomest boy on earth. You're going to like the way he looks. I, Aaron P. It. Aaron Joseph Peter. Hey, man. How you doing? You know, I mean, I'm also the spit man. Yeah. And the spit man cometh. And you do spit. And the spit man spitteth. And, you know, it's only fiver for every three minutes. Three minutes. That's right. Five up. Five up. And you can get yourself a pair of well queen trainers. <laughs> in this economy? Yeah, it's really nice. In Biden's socialist communist America <laughs> that we're is, living in? This is coming in? out this after election day. Oh, is it? Yeah. This will be out after election day. Well, I'm saying it, it uh, ironically because we're still in Trump's America. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's not his. It's not. It's not. This land is your land. You said it, pal. This land is my land. Yeah. From California. <laughs> to the New York Islanders. <laughs> the New York Islanders is a hockey team, right? And to your right, Speaking my of hockey. Yep. Speaking of Mario Lemuse. Yep. Lemuse? Lemuse. Mario Lemuse. That's right. Everybody, everybody calls me a little hockey. Notorious Frenchman, Matt Brousseau. All right, cheers. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Hey. I'm doing swell. I'm swollen. Good to see you, fellas. We had hey. quite a debacle getting the beer, the piss up tonight. Jesus Holy H. Hell. Christ. So now yeah. we're talking. Uh, if you I just, had to put ice in my delirium tremens. What if is you're this? just joining us at 745 in the PM, Matt put in the order at 515 PM. That was a drizzly. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, delete drizzly. Yeah, get it out of there. Trouble. And saucy. Trouble. You don't use that one for a minute either. <laughs> Isn't that what you, you got that? So then Aaron orders a saucy order. Um, uh, Drizzly And before before we hear the fucking riot yeah, act yeah. from anybody Why don't you just go get it We're setting Extenu- up a podcast Extenuating for- circumstances for that evening mm-hmm. And so we decided to head, you know, multitask And Matt ordered it before we even all got here Yeah, mm-hmm. along and, with some pizza Yeah, which came and yeah. was good Purgatory pizza Very good Go Try there Go there to yeah. Drizzly tell They them, have beer there Tell them the profile nice. boys sent you Yeah Please Yeah and give them our phone numbers and all that. Yeah. But do delete Drizzly and do, you know, think write, about right on Saucy's wall or <laughs> something. Mm. Just be like, yeah, you know, maybe try a little bit tighten harder. It, tighten it up. Tighten it up. Mm. Anyways, so yeah, you, you know, do, do, do your thing. So we, well, we had the we had the happy liquor call, where the that guy was, was saying nice. the guy was saying I got nine stores. I don't know what store you ordered from. I don't have a. I'm like, okay, well. So we had to call Happy Liquor because Drizzly is getting from liquor stores. They're getting from local liquor stores, and this one apparently got it from Happy Liquor, mm-hmm. which has there's nine of them, I guess. Which has nine. And uh, this you called Mr. Happy. I called Mr. Senior Happy himself, and yeah. he was like, uh, "Yeah, you gotta, you know, um, you gotta find out what store it's from." So we find out what store it's from. They their voicemail's full, and they're not answering the phone. So I call back Mr. Happy. Never a good sign. Voicemail full and not. And that was the phone. second store that yeah. we had called of the nine Happy. But it was the correct one. And. Um, and the guy goes, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do then, man. I was like, all right, well, who can do something about it? And he goes, I know, I don't know. And he goes, um, okay, but like, you know, uh, I, you know, I've been like two, two, three hours here. And he goes, that's not my problem. And I go, it's not your problem. I guess it's my problem. Well, this has been electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> not one minute later. <laughs> not one minute later. Then it's like, your order's on the way. Yeah. 
And then it says it's going to be here like eight or something. Aaron goes downstairs to get his fucking saucy order, which is on time, basically. Ish. Thanks. And uh, and at the same time, the fucking Drizzly guy's there. Yeah. So Aaron's like, I got all the beer in the world down here. Somebody come down and help yeah. me. The, the, the saucy guy's in his car honking at me. I heard that. Yeah. Up here. I was oh, like, who's not honking? The grapevine? <laughs> no, no, no. I heard it up Dude, here. I've been calling. No, Come you to my not... neighborhood. Dude. Making a scene. What part of the delivery aspect of delivery? I, I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is delivery, know. not DiGiorno. It's okay. some bullshit, what you, man. What are you going to do? You know, um, what are you gonna do? But we got now we have double the beer. Some of it's warm. I put again some ice cubes in the delirium. Gonna be yeah. talking to you fellas about uh, Rod Serling. Hey. I love Rod Serling. Uh, in a minute though, I want to. I want to we'll get. Be, well, uh, before we start, Aaron, can you do uh, the world a favor and mm. bring the microphone down? So, so you there's can no, see the face. So there's no face shadow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Twist it up. There you go. No, oh, is that that's good? No, oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, feel free to twist it more in front of yourself too. So it's just coming right in. You know. Well, you, so, you, I, so you don't have to move your head. I, I, you know, I tend to bob around a little bit. Sure, you're a bobber. But you got a bob and you got a weave. <sighs> and, um, and ram. So I, I, I gotta say this. This is this is fucking insane, right? I'm working with this dude, and one day I see him like pound a fucking a tall boy, like a two can, a two two Bud Light, like, what, uh, like no, a high schooler. What what time of the day was this? This is uh this is eight a.m. Oh good. Eight a.m. Well oh okay. And then, and then he's bring, a tall boy at eight a.m. Yeah, and this is at work. Yeah, this is at work. Uh, outside, he's kind of. I mean, but I he's got no problem with it. And then I noticed that like he's got them in the fridge, like in bags. So he's bringing he, them into the work fridge. But he leaves them in the bags when he puts them in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. But he'll pound them outside to the dome. I mean, and I mean listen, nobody likes pounding piss more than John Boy. Oh, you're a piss but pounder. It, I saw that at 8 a.m. and I wanted to fucking just barf everywhere. It's well, so well, gross. He also, he's leaving the... That's an outside bag. You know, these, this day and age, we should be much more conscious of... No, it was like a plastic grocery bag. Like, that's what I mean. That's just... That's just swinging well, in the wind. Well, like, and, and, yeah, fridge, oh, the freezer kills the, the COVID. By the way, nobody's wearing masks at this job. Nobody. Uh, me and one other kid. That's it. Uh, when, when was the last time you worked there? <laughs> he's wearing. He's well, I mean, we're, we're far apart, but yeah, it's yeah. just a thing where it's like. It's time. Guys, get your fucking shit together, man. This, we're fucking eight months into this thing or more. Put on a fucking mask. Jesus Christ. Um, so <laughs> this guy is telling me. Um, this is like my first conversation with him. And he's telling me, he's asking me like about weed. He's like, do you smoke? I'm like, yeah, sure, you know. And he's like, um, he's like, you, you know, do you much like with it, like, you know, sell it? Or I was like, no, not really. He goes, I was like, do you? And he goes, no. He goes, I used to do the other stuff though, the harsh stuff. Harsh? The harsh stuff. So I know he's talking about El Chapo, you know, the chop, mm. the cocaine. It's the it's not the hardest stuff. It's the harsh stuff. <laughs> the harsh stuff. Yeah, yeah. I used to sell bad coke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. basically Ajax. Um, Ajax, hey. uh, and he goes, uh, he goes, you know, you know who, who our biggest customer was? And I'm like, who? And he goes, it was the handicapped house. And I'm like, oh, you're ripping off the handicapped now. I'm they, like, just, they just need clean shop. I'm They're like, what? And he goes, there was a guy there, man. And he goes, and he used to have me like, he, he, he couldn't even move his neck. He's paraplegic. <laughs> I think that's quadriplegic. Quadri oh, quadriplegic. Yes. He's, he's he's barely quadriplegic. He's yeah. paraplegic. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a paraplegic. Plus, he can't move his neck. He <laughs> <laughs> just, just needs to see a, like a so doctor. The, the guy would tell him quadriplegic can't move his neck. Can't. He's like he's like under my chair. There's money, 
and a plate and a straw. No. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, just chop it all out. <laughs> chop it all out on the plate. And hold it And up. leave it on my, like, you know, my little my little chest lap, my little TV tray on the chair. A.K.A. my body. My body, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> and he, so the guy's chopping him out. And he's like, and take this much out of the money. Blow it up my nose like a charm. And, and he goes, and then put the straw up. And, and so then the guy, the guy fucking hoovers up, like, basically everything the guy chopped out. And the, guy, the dealer, the guy who's telling me the story, he goes, that's too much. <laughs> like you chopped it out for him, you fucking psycho. You know, here's this. Here's the difference. That's service. Yeah, yeah. With, with or without after a smile, this, it doesn't after matter. this experience, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'd love a harsh. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good guy. That's a good guy. He's chopping it up before he puts the thing. I mean, but he's telling me because I'm listening. I'm you know I I'm. I am one to judge, man. If this is the first story you have to tell me, I'm like, you are a fucking nightmare. Yeah, he came right out with that. Came, huh? Yeah, people don't know the slow burn anymore. You know, like, no. well, I, feel me out. I think you know, there's a lot, a lot going on with some people. Yeah, you know, and they got it. This is the one. Wait a little bit. Yeah, conversation two or three. But yeah. you before see you, if I'm a cop. Before you find <laughs> out if I'm the guy you tell about giving the quadriplegic. Too much coke. Or, uh, to be fair, maybe he knew immediately. Yeah. You were the guy to yeah. tell. Yeah, I probably have that look about me. <laughs> but he goes, um, he's like, I'm thinking about, you know, I was like, oh, man. He's like, there are bus customers, you know? <laughs> this is like in the night. This is like 91. He goes, I'm making $1,000 a week in 91. Nice. This guy's like a dad. You know what I mean? Like, he's that, dad, he, dad age. He's, making, he's dad he's age. He's making $1,000 a week? In 91. All right. You know. Nothing to really brag about. In ninety one, I guess it's that's decent. Good. You know, it's, it's like, all right. This is you know, this is just from that too. Oh, he's got other shit going he's on. He's got other shit going Eddie. on. Oh, okay, good. Tax free, you know. Sure, it's okay, but it's nothing. I, I wouldn't tell anybody. No, no, no. But there's but, got he's got other stuff going on. Well, the thing is, is that's he's, great. He's saying that he's like he's like I was able to give my whole other. He's like I'm working a full time job too. Oh, that's cool. and he goes and I'm giving that whole check to my mom. Oh wow. And he goes so my mom's like, what's up? Because like I got still got new clothes yeah. and yeah. shit. You can't live with your mom. No. And be a secret coke dealer to the paraplegics quad. No, it's probably better than being a public coke dealer. Yeah, you know. Uh, so he goes, um, because I felt like all these kids and the, the, the handicap, the handicap school, and the handicap school. He's like, I was like, I'm killing them, you know. <laughs> he's like, but they were happy and they were. I'm killing it with the cripple games. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm killing them. I'm murdering them. And he goes, but they were cool and I was, they're happy, so I was happy, you know. The handicap house. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where is the handicap house? I think you know the kind of house we're talking about. No, here. I, I know that there are, but is there the handicap house where they? Uh, all... It's got to be some special uh, needs or uh, the the, uh, you know. So there's a a spot. Yeah, where they all hang out. The place with all the ramps. Yeah, and it's always. Oh. <laughs> And the rooms are really dusty. Yeah. yeah. It's actually Coke. Yeah. That's what I mean. I wish I could reach that. <laughs> could somebody scrape <laughs> off my wall? The landlady's going to make a killing in this place. <laughs> Powdered donuts make me go nuts. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a little thing I wanted to share with you. You think Hawking was doing that? Hawking? Yeah. Uh yeah 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 he seems like a big coke but guy. just like the idea of also like having that much of an upper in your system and not being able to move at all that seems frightening but Dude, I don't, yeah. oh my I god you, I bet you they don't shut up <laughs> yeah. especially oh could you imagine if Hawking got all fucking chatty Cathy on that shit yeah cats sound like meow I can't meow. move yeah. my tongue fast enough so we do to have type to say, out the words follow us on uh, Twitter at PP Podcast on the um. 
Instagram at Profiles and Eccentricity. Get a gander at some of these weirdos. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha Lima with that amazing uh, news art, oh. news oh, thing from God. Matt so Rousseau's uh, truly, episode. Truly transcendent. Really good stuff. It was tremendous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a tremendous news article I was, that you I was, made. I was really happy about the inclusion of Notorious Frenchman. Yes, uh, and then the the, the 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 text the was alliteration. Per- yeah. yeah, well, the alliteration. That- oh, sure, sure. I'm not. I mean, yeah, sure. It was a wonderful headline, but the text was a Crowley cut. Yes, or Crowley, unholy, Crowley, unholy, unholy. Crowley. Um, that looked great. The picture they picked for you is really top notch. Yeah, primo. Top chop. Yeah, chop top. Yeah, chop of the tops. Um, top of the chops. Yeah. So, and then on the Patreon, five dollars a month, you get an extra episode per week, and we are. We're going to record that tonight, and um, so tonight I'll be doing Rod Serling, but I, I, uh, in addition to the the cocaine story, I do have a bit of a thing about uh, um, a young lady that recently went to the Tiki Adult Theater, which if you're a Profiles fan, you know. You know. um, Young, uh, 25-year-old lady. Been talking to her over the Yelp messages. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. She'll, She'll answer like two questions a night. And then we pick it up the next day. And it's been going on every day for like a week or more. Is this a can confirm an actual human biological female? I said the words, uh, I'm not trying to be the gender police, but you're a woman, right? <laughs> yeah, so how does a robot respond to that? Uh, you can tell. It's just, she's like, yes, I'm a woman, LOL. Um, and um, she's like, I'm in my mid-20s. And, uh, and she's going there now. No, she went recently. Um, so would you like to hear about that or should I save that for the Patreon? Also, I got to do Kim Frazier's, uh, his bit. I, well, I can't, I don't know if I can make that decision, but I want to hear it. I mean, mm. you, you know, the good thing is I'm going to hear it either way. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's, that's the fact. Jack. Because not only am I on the show. <laughs> yeah. I'm also on the Patreon. That's right. That's and right. I get to hear it. And, and for five bucks a month. I think it's a good deal. So I'm going to let uh, you guys decide what you want to drop full free. Uh, 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 I mean, I just can't wait to hear everything. If they, the, the Kim Frazier thing it also sounds wonderful as well. Well, that's like a- something I meant to do on the media episode. Um, Matt, can I get a, a dongle? Dongles? Oh, if we're going to have to dongle up, we should. We uh, should take a break? Yeah, but you know, I didn't want to do something. Do you have a shirt? Uh, let me um, let me do, let me do uh, some of the stuff about the... Uh, the nice young lady here. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, the, the tea? I'll take a break after that. Okay. And then we'll come back. We'll do a Kim Frazier thing, and then we'll get into Sterling. <gasps> and it's Sterling. I, uh, I was confused for a while, too, but it's not Sterling. It is Sterling. Yeah, it's always been Sterling. Yeah, we I know it's ne- always we were been never, Sterling. We were never confused. No, no, I'm just saying for some... I've heard, I heard someone mention it a couple days ago. They said Sterling. I have a, I have a Sterling rod. Mm, I bet you do. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So I got into uh, the Tiki Adult Theater. If you haven't listened to Freaks of the Teak, uh, our seventh episode, I believe. Yeah, yeah you that is mandatory profiles listening. Yes. You got to do it. And then follow up, we uh, John and I actually went. Yeah. That's right. And, and this John, not just a John. Oh, yeah, no, there were there were definitely Johns and Juans and Wongs and yeah, and two Wongs make a white. Yeah, and it's uh, definitely smelled Wong in there. <laughs> I imagine. Um, so yes, this young lady. Um, some of the newer things I've seen as I've kept following it on Google and stuff, is young women being like, is this place safe to go? And I'm like, no! <sighs> no! But if enough of them do, you know, maybe it will well, be. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Maybe you say yes. Um, 
And so, uh, uh, if it's, so it's a place where if you haven't listened to the episode, a lot of crack smoke, homeless people sleeping, a lot of, uh, um, poppers, a lot of poppers that are sold at the door, like popcorn, um, popcorn. <laughs> and they, uh, they, uh, there's a lot, if you sit in the back, you hook up with, uh, other people, mainly male on male, uh, the vast majority of male on male, or you could be, a a, na- a naughty CD, uh, you could be a naughty tea babe, naughty tea babe, um, uh, but if you sit in the front, you don't have to see any of that shit. Penny A party and play says. Um, pa- Wait, no, no. Penny, Penny A party and play. Part. Do you know what party and play is? No. Party and play is also known as P and P, and that means you're like doing tweak while you're having sex. No fucking party way. And, it means it can mean it can mean party coke. And, and, and play. play. Yeah. Wow. It could. I mean, it could also be coke, but a lot of times P and P is you know it's that Tina baby. It's yeah. Cool. So what, what does it? kid and play mean? Oh, now, Aaron, uh, when when did when did uh, when did the COVID uh, pandemic start? I would say March fifteenth is when the uh, well in the U.S. that's when they had the kind of more the the the, the lockdown, but it certainly it was stateside. And this is November, uh, February. It, 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 yeah, they even think it may have been December too. Now that's this why, is that's why it's COVID nineteen. This is November first. Is it really? That was the nineteenth strain of. It's because the year. Yeah, oh, okay. fellas, you ready? No, I, well, I'm just I'm figuring out the basics, John. We got to get the background info before we. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Man. You gave me shit about Lexington and Concord. I'm giving you shit about what, COVID because 19. It, I thought it was the 19th strain of COVID. No, no. Okay. No, no, no. no. So what, what are you saying? It is. It's COVID because 19 it came because out in 2019. 2019. Okay, cool. That's okay. That makes awesome. sense. Well, party and play, Penier. Uh huh. Four months ago, this is November 1st. Today. Four months ago, she says, I am going there today. I was there on Monday. Uh, Had a great time. If anyone wants to meet me, totally indoor, dark, tiny room. On Yelp. No. On Yelp. I mean, how's the the AC? Well, if there's no AC, maybe it's better that way. Uh, I was there on Monday. Had a great time. If anyone wants to meet me, I am a CD who lived to dress up, love to dress up in naughty outfits and play naughty at the theater. One person found this useful, one person found it funny, one person found it cool. Uh-huh. Which one were you? <laughs> None! Uh, he was the CD. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah there's a... Uh, I am thinking of going here as a question. Is this a good place for a busty 23-year-old girl to go? She wants to be touched a little or just rub one out discreetly? Uh, uh, and yeah, that, I think it's a good place. Sure. Well, that's who I ended up talking to. Busty twenty three year old Busty. wants to rub one out. Yeah, yeah does yeah. she have any other reviews? Like, does she? Yeah, does she review like Dave and Busties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there's no other, um, no other reviews. Um, oh, she asked about the stock room. What sizes do they carry there for latex leather apparel? They have a stock room. Oh, no, the stock room. Oh, I see. Okay. That's the place that used to be on Sunset. You know it. Right now it's on Glendale. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, Charlotte Cross does a lot of shit from there. Uh, whips, chains. Oh, nice. Types. That's great. Classic stock yeah. room shit. Yeah, we've all been. So uh, I messaged her on Yelp and she goes, um, can I give you my phone number? And I'm like, or, or can I get your phone number? And I go, yeah, because. Why not? Of course. Yeah, and you're a researcher. And so I get this text from. For th- science. <laughs> science. <laughs> I get this text from a 323 number. Did you Google it? No, I'm totally fine with this person being as anonymous as they want to be. Yeah, and that's yeah, what I said. I was good. like, "You don't have to show me what you look like, anything like." That. I was like, "Just tell me about, tell me everything about going there." Yeah. And she goes, "So I get a text out of nowhere, which I love this this mysterious opening. 
you wanted to know about my experience. <laughs> That's the best. That is the best. <laughs> yes. You'd like to play a game? And I go, yeah. And then it's like, quiet. And I go, will you share? She goes, yes, of course. What would you like to know? Anything specific? And I was like, just, you know, uh, whatever you took away from it. What age are you? I'm not trying to be the gender cops, but you're a woman, right? <sighs> and she goes, um, she goes, I'm 25. Did I not tell you before? And yes, I'm a woman, LOL. And I was like, did you get harassed when you went or did the guys leave you alone? And she goes, I didn't get harassed immediately upon arrival. But as you can see, I went there to, to get a little naughty. Then uh, she says, I don't masturbate discreetly. So I got some stares and some guys came closer. Some touched, but they were respectful. Oh, good. When I went there, there wasn't too many people, but I did go during the day. Well, Amazing. A, did she wear a mask? And I was like, oh, um, I was like, so do you, did you just like masturbate and leave? And she goes, I guess, yeah. She goes, I was mostly edging. Oh, nice! Edge Very one. nice. It's a pretty good time. And I was like, and I was like, and were you touching them? And yeah. she goes, I did when they touched me. <gasps> and I was like, and what was that like? And she goes, I was giving them hand jobs, and they was they were either grabbing my tits or fingering me. Oh, holy shit! Well, yeah. Now, do you think that maybe now when you say touching, I don't think fingering. No, no, I don't. No, do you think that this person is getting off on talking about this? And that is really what's going on. That sounds cool. Um, and that possibly maybe. this is her, his shit. The Zim's. This is this person's game. Is that perhaps none of this happened? Mm. But they like talking about it. You know, as evidence. I, I don't. I, here, do you want my phone number? I don't. She was. She was saying that basically the most unforgettable thing about it was the place. Uh, so I, I got the impression that it was real. I mean, I, I would she say, did go. You know, she, she went. Could, and she went during the day. That yeah. probably seems a little safer somehow. Yeah, sure, yeah. even though it's not. No, it isn't because no. you're in there, That's but it is zone. because everybody zone. else who goes in there is also during the day. You know, right? Um, Nobody I, I, knows what time it is. I, in there. I think maybe she could be enjoying talking about it. Certainly, and so then it does not negate the fact that she did go. Yeah. And uh, she, I was like, "How long did you stay?" And also, this is like punctuated by by occasional answers. I'll just go. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, I'll just right. say that. And then accidentally posting a this is, uh, video. This has been electrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but seriously. Um, so I go, uh, I was like, how long did you stay? She goes, about an hour and a half. And then she goes, you ever been? I was like, I went once for 20 minutes. And um, I was like, was there any of that smoking crack or the homeless guys sleeping or any of that? And she goes, there was no crack. She goes, but I don't really know what that looks like. And she goes, there was people sleeping. I didn't really look too closely. And um, then she wants to know how old I am and shit, right? A ASL? So now I'm getting into the story, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes, I'm in my 20s, did I tell you? Like, and I'm like, yeah, uh, you, you said. Yeah, that's a little. <laughs> did I tell you I'm in my 20s and a real girl who's also busty? Um, I'm legal for you. Do you know that? Um, And I go, was the guy at the ticket booth like trying to warn you? About what you're getting into? And she goes, yes, LOL. <laughs> she goes, I was laughing on the inside. Oh. And she goes, I went, th she goes, of course I went there for a reason if I was alone. And I was like, you are fucking hardcore, dude. And, um. Was he trying to warn you guys? And, um. No, dude. He fucking basically gave, laid, out the, laid out the red carpet for us. And then she told me that, you know, the other guys that she was jerking off, they came. These guys were not edging. No, no, they came. Yeah. Correct. So that's where I'm at with the interview right now. They came wow. correct, dude. They did. They, wow, uh, I can't well, they wait. They were respectful. Yeah. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to hear more. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hobby. 
Yeah, this is part one of a. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a serial. It's a serial. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Dude, this is. Do you know how nice that is to do that for like ten minutes a day? Just talk to some psycho that went to the teak and was beating off the fucking mental patients and around her you and jacking her, them off. Did she tell you she's in her twenties? She did. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I think she's from the handicap house, though. Mm. Oh, well, how do you think she jerks all those guys off? I don't know. Well, Different uh, kind of handicap. On chop, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the chop really brings her to life. Well, she's probably just paraplege. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Two free hands. Yeah. It's true. But I don't. She doesn't know what coke crack looks like. Yeah. Did you? Did you didn't get to what was playing on the various screens? No, we didn't. Uh, we did, I just well, asked to her. Be, to be I just asked what, what movies were playing. You just asked her that now. So I maybe did. in the next twenty-four to forty-eight, we'll get an answer. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Yeah, stay tuned. And we will be right back after this break. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. And we're back. Cool. Now, uh, a long promise to uh, our boy, uh, Kimmy Frage. Kim now Frazier. That's from the Atlanta Pizza Coalition. That's exactly right, Aaron. Oh, fantastic. That's our buddy. Uh, and I was telling him. Delicious. Uh, for the longest time, he it's was. It's a delish kalish. It is. It's a delish koalish. Um, Lord Baelish. <laughs> he's a big, uh, as we are, uh, he's a big Carlin fan. Hell yeah. Uh, hardcore history. And so I found this thing. I mean, to play Dan on the show. Dan Carlin. For Dan those Carlin. Of you don't know. Um, oh, so George is cool. No, fuck George. So this is, this is from, and this is so good, um, part of the storytelling. That makes him so good at this. It's just incredible that this guy does this show alone for six fucking hours on and on. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's got to be somebody outside the booth nodding or something. He's because he's he's talking with such passion. Oh yeah. Um, and you know you they like he, he fucks that shit up and sometimes sometimes he'll have to do a fucking second take with passion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's extremely well edited. Yeah. Because yeah. it does it, it does sound like it's just one take but it, it's well edited it's well it's he researches it for months and months i mean you before. have to imagine and so he's talking about he's talking about uh this is from a blueprint for armageddon one and he's talking about the he's just got at this point he's gotten finished through talking about the germans going into uh belgium and everybody thinking from wars before that dying for your country is so great and and then it's just a meat grinder mm. Yeah, because it, Blueprint for Armageddon is about World War One. Yes, and, and the advancements it being the first modern war. Yes, and how it, the Blueprint for Armageddon is uh, both the how it how modern warfare is setting it yeah. it up to be this this war. Yeah, yeah, and also how that war itself sets up the world for World War Two. Yes, and um, you know the the, the I mean um the rules coming out of it after because it was that much of a, right. of a blueprint for Armageddon that people go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We got to write down yeah. things that are yeah. not cool. Yeah. No, it's very gases. much, it, it, was yeah. the trans, it was a transition of digital to analog of yeah. war or analog to digital of war. So it's like the mini disc of war in that it's horrible. Right. And nobody wants to uh, have it ever happen like that again. Yeah. Well, it, it is amazing too that even today using gas is such a level of war crime that mm. like secret prisons and drones cool. aren't totally cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Like, and nukes are on the, like gas is almost on the level of nuke, but nuke is just like, if, if you drop a nuke, then no one has done it. Oh, well there's no rules against it. Yeah. There are rules against gas. Yeah. There's no rules against nukes. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's just, it just it's one of those those rules there. Yeah. Like every, this is really bad. And every, you shouldn't every, do it. Everybody has rule against rules against landmines except for us in Somalia. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't even have a real government. We yeah. reserve the right to fuck you up. Yeah, we're like, oh, I. I what about the Somalis? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, like, are we even using landmines, or are we just? Giving them to other countries to use. Like, well, I, is, are there any? Well, they've d- all stories? signed up to not use them. Right. Well, are we're there only any? reserving the right to use them. In and where? Somalia. Where? I mean, guess when we go to war with Somalia. I don't know. Oh, oh man, all, all the just... unexploded ones that we have to use those little rats to find. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's just if we go to war with Somalia, it'd just be a landmine war? I think we have landmines everywhere. Yeah. Mm. And that, uh, I think they're just there already. Well, yeah. that's why the Somalis became pirates. They're like, <laughs> fuck land. <laughs> <laughs> There's no mines in the ocean <laughs> until we put them there. So anyway, he's just talked about the Germans coming into Belgium and getting fucking mowed down and having to deal a la uh, uh, Battle of the Bastards with the piles of bodies becoming obstacles yeah, obstacles to even the people that created the piles where they go like well now they can hide behind there yeah <laughs> because they're like what do we try to do we kill too do many do we blow more holes through the dead through the pile of meat we've yeah. already created well, it's, it's a, a real flesh wolf the- there's all there's a, yeah there is we just which watched, means meat grinder we just watched Green Room for the first <laughs> time last night is like flesh um, flesh wolf yeah flesh so wolf. anyway this is this is where he takes off and uh, you'll know uh, when we when we get to where you I want to get to oh, oh, here we go oh my god oh my god who's roaming around the battlefield, who normally is in Berlin with the high general staff of the German military. The Germans encourage their staff members to get out in the field sometimes and see what's going on, and this guy had a particular interest in this battle because he was one of the people who planned it. For years he'd been planning this battle. He took his vacations from Germany to Belgium just to look around where the battle was going to be fought. Can you imagine? And now, since he had a vested interest in hoping his plans were carried out correctly, he's wandering around this battlefield at night looking for what the holdup is and finds out that a general commanding a certain part of the attack is dead, killed by (laughs) machine gun fire. So this guy, this staff officer, who historians have described as absolutely devoid of fear... Big man grabs the unit of the dead general, five or six thousand men, oh, in oh, the, the dark, the and troops. starts leading them toward the objective. <laughs> you grab this guy's gun. You, know, you got all these forts, more than 400 <laughs> guns from the forts, and then the guns on the German side. It's just got to be this unbelievable, chaotic mess in the dark, and this one general has grabbed this unit and is, and is heading toward the city of Liège, which is protected by this circle of forts, right, with men in between all the forts. He finds a spot that's undefended, leads this unit past the forts into the city on this gamble that maybe the city won't be defended. Or maybe if I walk in there with 6,000 guys, they'll just lay down their weapons. Now, the Germans don't have a lot to celebrate in their military history in the Second World War because the cause was so nasty. It doesn't matter, you know, how many good things their troops did in terms of military history, the military side of things. The cause is so corrupt, it taints everything. The Germans can take some justifiable pride in the adventure story of this guy because first he walks in the city— And everybody just sort of surrenders to him there. And then he goes up to the citadel, the main defense in the center of the city. With his sword hilt, he pounds on the door demanding the surrender. And they open up the door and they surrender. Yikes. (laughs) Talk about (laughs) boldness. A little earlier, a little earlier before this, I didn't want to put in too long of a clip, but he goes, he's talking about the the, the dark. 
And he goes, yeah. now he's like, think about the think about the horror of war in the day. And now take away light. Yeah. It's freaky. Hey, I remember that. I remember that one. It, it's freaky. And, and, he's, and he clearly has made somebody yeah. in the booth start cracking up yeah. by throwing in the word freaky. Hey, freaky. Hey, hey, why so do you then, say that? then you can feel him because you can hear him start to laugh. He's clearly watching somebody it's else. freaky. Laugh. He's like, that's what's going on. <laughs> if you think war is bad in the daytime. Now imagine <laughs> in the pitch black of night. You could call it Blue and Frown Armageddon. You could call it Yikes. <laughs> I mean, no, what sums up World yikes. War One better than the word yikes? yikes? It's so good. You know, World War Two. <laughs> also, <laughs> also pretty yikes. Yeah. A lot of yikes there. It's hey, got. A, hey, it's got a hot... with the anti-Semitism. <laughs> <laughs> so, boys, tell me what you know about our good friend Rod Serling. You're going to tell us. Oh, you want us to tell yeah, well, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to, to Kimmy Frazier for being Kim a good Frazier, friend. That was, that was for you, buddy. Uh, that, well, that, that, and that was also for all the listeners. He, he did a great thing by gifting that wonderful experience to all of us and the listeners. Well, I mean, I, I found that, but I just knew he was a fan, so I, I specifically yeah, was like, I need to remember to, to play that for Kim just because that's my favorite moment in, if, uh, in hardcore history thus far. If you have a, a VR uh, headset... Uh, we should have a VR orgy. Okay. Yeah. Put that further down I'll the list. Let's, let's hear I'll, Matt's I'll idea add, first. I'll add that. There's a Dan Carlin World War One VR experience. It's only like 15 minutes. <laughs> it's only like 15 minutes. Yikes! It's, it's brutal. And the whole time you're like, yikes. It's, <laughs> I feel like I'm choking on gas. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine it. But it's you got to uh, imagine yeah. it. It's it's amazing, and it's it's Is it in the dark. Yeah, you're in the trench in a dark, like you go. Actually, I do. Was this? This wasn't. I remember him talking it came, about. It making came this. out like six months ago, and it's re, it's really amazing. It's too bad it's only like fifteen minutes. Yeah, well, you but, know, I think that's about as much as I could handle of trench warfare. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. It's a uh, it's a thing. It's it, it would be a, a museum piece if there were museums right now. Yeah, I Mac, think that was. That, I think that was his uh, his intent was for it to be a museum thing. Oh yeah, it makes sense. Um. Now you you were asking us to tell you. A yeah, little what do you know about him? Well, I know that Rod Serling is a a, a veteran of, yes. of war, and I think it's World War Two, and I think he was a paratrooper. Yes. Uh huh. I know he likes to smoke Chesterfield cigarettes. Yes. Because they're toasted or something, mm. or they're smooth. Uh, and I know that um, three to four packs a day. Oh God. God damn. Three to four packs a day. Uh, I know that fifty uh, years of age, open heart surgery. I think he had. I think. I think he had a heart attack, like, still in the hospital, like a second heart attack. And back then, open heart surgery wasn't even done that much. Right, right. And they were like, no, necessary. And he just... He croaked on the operating table? Yeah, he croaked on the operating table from another attack. Like, it was... I mean, three to four packs a day. That's a lot of cigarettes. That means you're... I mean, you're, think, you're, about, you're, think about who smoked that, more cigarettes on TV than on Turling. Well, yeah, Nobody. But, well, that well, means it, he was always smoking that, that a cigarette. Means, that means he was taking a break. <laughs> when he was on TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like three to four packs a day means you're not, you do not stop smoking all day. Well, so that's oh, yeah. what sixty-eight. It's eighty cigarettes, sixty-eight know. cigarettes. I think there's twenty in a pack. I right? don't know. There's 20, Why there's, did you get all weird? There's twenty in a pack, right? Twenty in a so pack. So sixty-eight cigarettes a day, probably unfiltered. Probably oh, back then. Oh god. No, no, no. Well, you can only hope. I think they're filtered. They're probably filtered. Be, but you the know, he, they gave them to. You know, they passed them out. To the soldiers, right? Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. 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 Or, I mean, or, it was that and Coca Cola, right? You know, the things of uh, Marilyn Monroe. 
Yeah. They passed out Marilyn Monroe. Well, pictures, Aaron. Of Marilyn at that time, really. I, what, I mean, all, all kind. No, I mean, Jane it's just Russell, like, it whatever. Was just, it, was it was just calendars. I don't know if the U.S. Army paid for them and gave it to them, but they got, you know, there it's was. Porno? Yeah. Well, it wasn't porno. So you see, they're smoking, drinking Coke, and jerking off all day. Wait, yeah. really? You know what? I support It sounds that. like a pretty su- good time. I support our trips, man. Killing Nazis, you know, oof. So, I mean, he's, uh, I didn't know he was uh, uh, born into a Jewish family. Did not know that. Born, born on Christmas Day. Uh, 1924, right? Um, so think about that in, in relation to his getting into the army. He's, uh, his older brother, uh, he's, eight, he's like 17 and he stayed, he was going to enlist earlier. And one of his teachers got to him was just like, um, uh, he was like, listen, man, he's like, war is temporary. He's like, education is ongoing. He's like, just graduate and then go. And that's what he did. Yeah. And meanwhile, when he's, while he's, while he's, Wanting to go, he's running the school's newspaper, of course. Yeah. He's Rod Serling. And um, he's encouraged, he's really for the war effort. Uh, you know, so, but yeah, he was, he was kind of, um, you know, down to listen to these, these kind of like wiser adults. And, um, and he did. And then he went as soon as he could. Um, but before that, you know, he was, he was uh, born in Syracuse. Uh, his dad was a, kind of a small time inventor. And then um, his 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 father in law was a grocer, so he earned he he got a job there just to earn the steady income because now he's got the two boys, and uh, he became a butcher after the Great Depression. Um, Rod's older brother would go on to be a novelist and a uh, kind of aviation uh, writer. Uh-huh. Uh, that was Robert J. Serling, and he would advise some of the more aviation themed scripts later on oh. for Rod. Um, yeah, this, this plane can totally disappear. Yeah, there's no one on it. <laughs> this guy screams on this part of the plane. Right. Now, you'd have to imagine that the monster would just boogie board out of there when he <laughs> raises his arms. Uh, but he, he grows up mainly in Binghamton, uh, Binghamton uh, when his parents moved there in 26. And, you know, like many Jewish families that we always find in this show, mm. um, or, a, or, or if you're just interested in entertainment, period, the parents always... Encourage performance, mm. like little plays at home, you know, writing, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not relevant to the Marx Brothers episode I'm going to do, but yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, but it's it's just something that is unique. So um, y- y- start them early, folks. You know, if your kids <laughs> want to do this shit, life let, hack: be Jewish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the dad built a small stage in the basement. Really? Uh, yeah, you called it a dungeon, I think, a minute <laughs> if ago. If you build it, they will come. Um, you know, yeah, my dad put up a basketball hoop. Rod would put on plays with or without other neighborhood kids. Oh, did he just talk straight into the wall? Imagine, if you will, please be on sight and sound, be on time and space. Welcome to my basement. Aaron, <laughs> you're not far off. That's pretty good. Oh, His older brother said... My clothes don't fit. <laughs> my stuff doesn't fit. Who's got a seat? Um, yeah. <laughs> Pass me one of those cancer sticks, Robin. Yeah. Give me a soup report. I got a lot to say. Story of the kid who found a dead cat. Um, his older brother said that at the age of six or seven, um, Rod would... would Entertain himself for hours acting out the dialogue from like pulp stories, yeah. magazines, oh, yeah. um, movies he'd seen. Um, he would talk to the family and, he, and he'd say, he'd ask questions. He wouldn't wait for answers. He'd move on to another one. Yeah. And he was, he was, yeah. And he goes, there was one time where he was on one so much on a trip from Binghamton to Syracuse, two hour drive, that they all decided to just let him talk. 
and no, and not say a word, and he didn't shut up for the whole two-hour drive. Well, they, uh, they all learned every, a lesson. Everybody there. purposely remained silent. This is like kind of what we did with Nick in the bathroom last yeah. night. Oh, God. <laughs> we keep getting ready to watch a movie, and our roommate Nick, he's, he's always ascending the stairs the minute everybody sat down. Yeah. So then we decide, when he comes back one at a time, we'll all go upstairs. <laughs> so he takes fucking 20 minutes upstairs, uh-huh. finally sits down, and, I, and as he's on his way down, I go, John, go upstairs. <laughs> John goes upstairs for like five ten minutes, mm-hmm. and John's comes back comes back down. And like at this point, Nick has like made himself a drink. <laughs> He's stomping around the fucking house. Stop. And then as soon as he sits down, I fucking get up off the couch and I go upstairs and I just hang out in the hallway and I just text everybody. I'll only be thirty minutes. <laughs> and so we we were gonna watch start a movie at ten, and we started it at eleven. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a joke. Um. But it was a great time. It was a grand old time. So in, in, in he's in elementary school. He's class clowning. Uh, his teachers think he's kind of like you know a fucking lost cause. Um, Always good when teachers. One, think. but then when he gets to seventh grade, one of them encourages him to get into public speaking, and he gets into the debate team. Uh, extracurricular activities uh, centered around public speaking, and um, starts writing for the uh, the school newspaper, and then he takes on this like activist role. Huh. You know, um, he's. And you can see it so much in, in The Twilight Zone is that there's so much conscience in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, 156 yeah. episodes. I think he writes 93, you know? Um, and he was good at uh, tennis hey. and ping pong and ping pong. Oh. Uh, too small for football at five foot four. Jeez. Uh, okay. But you know what being five foot four is really good for? Smoking cigarettes. Jumping out of airplanes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, he was, um, he, he would uh, do some staff work at Binghamton Radio. Uh, didn't have anything published, was trying to write, uh, got accepted in, into college before uh, the war, but he decided to follow his brother into the war. And um, so it was his civics teacher was the one that told him, yeah, war is temporary. And, uh, you know, if you know, what are you going to do after the war? Um, and so at the morning after his high school graduation, he went into the U.S. Army. Um, and so he's. 1943, that is, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he serves under General Joseph May Joe <laughs> Swing. Hey, Joe. And Oren D. Hard Rock Hagen. Oren D. Hard, Hard Rock. Hard Rock Hagen. Hagen? Hagen. How do you spell that? Basically like Hagen does. Oh, Hagen. Yeah. So he was like, but a, Hagen. a U instead of a second A. Do, did they say why he was Hard Rock Hagen? Is he like he's Ooh, like you guys? I... You guys, Buddy Holly is okay to listen to here. Uh, like what? this is some pretty heavy shit. <laughs> so he's he instantly is is trained to be a paratrooper, right? Yes. To jump out of fucking airplanes with a goddamn parachute and and a bunch of a shit ton of equipment. Like the, nor- the all the equipment they had for Normandy yeah. was just it's an it was an insane pack of stuff mm-hmm. that if any part of your parachute didn't work, you were going to die because mm. of the weight of it. Um. Yeah, it was five four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I he do. was um, he was remembered. Um, oh, he gets into boxing to blow off steam while he's doing para training, and that's why a lot of the Twilight Zones are boxer themed and shit. Yeah, and boxing, and it, it's a good if you're a small guy. It's it's a it's. He was a flyweight. Yeah, and there's a lot of them are airplane themed guys. Like, yeah, either tons space of airplanes, or, tons mm, of boxing. or earth plane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he got to the second round of the finals before being knocked out. Um, he had real bo- steel. Uh, Wasn't real steel? Uh, uh, I think that might have been a Matheson 
Twilight Zone. Really? What is real steel? Uh, controlling robot fighters, and then oh, it was made right. into a movie. Yes. Well, there was a Twilight Zone where the guy fights a robot, too. You remember that? That might have been if, it, too. If Futurama did an episode they, uh, they, based on that, too. They did a... a, a, a Hugh Jackman movie was made. Yeah. Pacific uh, Rim? Pacific Rim? Is Hugh Jackman in Pacific Rim? Hugh Jackman? John, continue the start, please. So he he gets he gets uh, he gets knocked out. He was known for his berserker style. Oh, now hey, that's Wolverine too. Oh, you want to making fuck berserker? Berserker style usually means the guy is losing. Uh, well, the berserker style was actually employed by some paintball guy in green room. That's Aaron. right. I think you'll remember that. I mean, the, the, the yeah. berserker tactic. So yeah, I mean, he's he's basically like straight up fucking Odin himself. Down he's there. he's he's just very. Uh, the Berserker style was very in line with him being this ADD kid, yeah. uh-huh. you know? Um, ah! And so he, he sees he's getting sent to California in April 44, and then he's like, ah, fuck, I'm getting sent to fight the, I think you call them Japs. I call no, them Japanese no, people. No, you, no. Shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't do uh, it. But, but he was disappointed because he wanted to fight the Germans, of course, as the, a young Jewish uh, lad. Who wouldn't? The besta. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Asbestos. So he, he's... Uh, he we was, should stop saying that first first one, by the way. Which one? Yeah. It's short for Japanese. <laughs> Japanese peoples. Yes, that's good. That's Actually, but if you're in a rush. The, the island is called. <laughs> but so if you're in a rush, comma. So, so if you're Russian. <laughs> um, so he, he goes to. Uh, Nippon. The island is called Nippon. He goes to uh, New Guinea in the Philippines and. Uh, and the Philippines, excuse me. And um, uh, so, he, yeah, he lands. He lands in November 44 in the Philippines. And he's basically there the whole time, I think, except for some occupation work after in, in Japan. Um, but it's rough. Yeah, the Pacific Theater um, is no motherfucking joke. So his first thing is, like, just helping basically clean up after the five divisions that had advanced in. He'd be cleaning, cleaning their bodies up. And then for, quote, a variety of reasons, he gets he gets sent to the 511th Demolition Platoon, which is called the Death Squad because you get sent there and die. Oh, you don't clean up the dead. No, 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 no. It's um, his, his sergeant... The leader of the squad said he screwed up somewhere along the line. Apparently, he got on someone's nerves, and he got sent to the place most likely to kill him. Would you shut the fuck up? This is a straight-up 50% death rate. Was that like a speech the commander gave? He was like, guys... Just want you to know I'm here because I screwed up somewhere and now I'm going to send you all. Well, this was obviously after Sherling got famous and then they started looking up. Oh, I see. His war, you know, whatever. Um, So so the commander didn't say that to the troops. And now this guy's name is, is, this is Frank Lewis, right? Sergeant Frank Lewis. And he says, um, uh, Sterling was not suited to be a field soldier. He didn't have the aggressiveness required for combat. No, he he wasn't just willing to just kill people nonstop. Uh, I think, yeah, I I think it's again just this, this, this kid with a big imagination. And um, he goes, at one point, we're in a firefight. We're in a foxhole. I can only imagine, Aaron, if, say I'm Sterling and Aaron's Frank Lewis. Frank Lewis <laughs> looks over at Sterling, and he sees that he hasn't reloaded any of his extra magazines. Yeah. And he's just like, he goes, <laughs> and he says, Sterling sometimes went exploring on his own against orders and got lost. Uh, oh, what a nightmare. It sounds like he wanted to be anywhere else. Um, but it shapes uh, all of the writing, um, the, the themes of, of, of sudden death, his political views. The screaming. Uh, there's, there's, the reading. There is, there is death in his face every single day in the Philippines. Every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And uh, he goes, you know, uh, one time they were dropping food from a plane. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. For the troops. Yeah. And his friend, another Jewish guy, Martin Levy, is like acting out some shit from a movie. Oh, no. And the crate just cuts his head off right in front of him. The food. Hello, my baby. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I was like. See, kids? And um, so always look up before you perform. Don't start him young. Serling yeah. leads the funeral services and placed a star of David over his grave. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, because you go from. The, the, that's. This guy's standing up, entertaining the rest of the platoon. They're all resting it's under the trees. It's the happy, like, they're like... I they, don't, they don't see it coming. Well, this is such a nice moment. I even forget we're in war. I well, mean, maybe nothing the, the shoot failed or something. And probably came down like a ton of bricks, Nothing dude. can ruin this moment. You know. Um, wow, this is nice. I'm sure it wasn't gently Boy, swaying down, you know. <laughs> it, <just> slowly, <laughs> it slowly cuts his hey, head off. Hey, do you guys see anything behind me? Hey, you, you guys so- smell chicken? <laughs> is something cutting my head? Um, so he... he Jesus uh, Christ. This was uh, the late L E Y T E. That was the the big uh, battle he was at. Uh, Letty, Letty, I believe so. Letty, and uh, Letty Gulf. He got um, two wounds, yeah, including one to his kneecap. Um, his L-A-Y-T-E. wife would Letty. his wife would say later that she became accustomed to the sounds of him falling down the stairs when his knee gave out on. What the? Uh, f- yeah. Oh God! So he probably dislocated his knee. Uh, the rest of his life, um, I, 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 I had to have surgery because of that. It's a, uh, it's fucking frightening. They're just gonna like take a step and then everything is got. You just so uh, Jesus Christ. Nothing. Um, and then he, then he's doing straight parish shit on February third, nineteen forty-five, under uh, MacArthur. Oh, uh, okay. After the, after the two wounds, MacArthur. Um, MacArthur, leave him there. <laughs> he shall return. They marched. They marched into. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get the people he left. They march into Manila. Um, they get to the city, and uh, the uh, Japanese general in charge, uh, excuse me, vice admiral in charge, he had arranged the 17,000 troops behind a maze of traps and uh, weapons and ordered them to fight to the last man. Ugh. And so for the whole month, they fought block by block for Manila. Fuck. Mm. That's a really good hardcore history, too. Yeah? When he talks about the Pacific Theater, especially some in Japan and the Philippines and those whole, all like the... And there's like a thousand islands. Yeah. And he's going, you got to imagine. And Sterling's like, I got to imagine. You got imagination and fuck. You got to, no, you got to imagine these sneaky Japanese motherfuckers <laughs> come in. Right? But he talks about them like, they, they, like Japanese death squads. I know I'm getting a little, ap- a little off track, but like oh, undercover of night, Japanese death squads coming in and just gutting you while you're sleeping, yeah. stuffing your cock in your mouth and then leaving. Right. And, and that's it, the thing too And it's that, in the jungle He's like And it's another one Where he goes Now you gotta imagine War being hell Now imagine it In the worst Most despicable weather Unhospitable weather In the world Yeah Mosquitoes The size of bats Like it's freaky <laughs> Yikes. Yikes And it's night sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Um So he goes You know when, when Then when there's like When you free this much Of the city Of this no man's land Then the locals Will come out And celebrate you and they'll throw parties, and um, uh, there's banquets, and he goes, one of these parties, he goes, uh, Serling and all of his buddies, uh, they, take, they, they take fire, and all these civilians get lit up, and a bunch of his buddies in the platoon get lit up, um, and it was just the Japanese doing that guerrilla style, mm-hmm. just hiding, here they all are, they're having a party, they think they've won, and they just start fucking blowing them up while they're drinking, and... Um, this guy, uh, Sergeant Lewis, he goes, um, <laughs> he, he notices that 
Sterling runs into the line of fire to protect a performer that was on stage. What? <laughs> and it saves the performer. It's like, um, he's got too much talent. Not another one. <laughs> you know? Saw this once before. And he was probably out of his basement. Yeah. He's, he's probably going to get hit by some food. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, they had a 50% casualty rate, over 400 men killed. Um, that's fucked. Uh, they had, um, they were, uh, they, they, they took fire from an anti-aircraft gun. Uh, three, three of his buddies died from anti-aircraft on, on land. Yes. Oh. That's another thing that. That Carlin talks about? Really? Yeah. They would just like move stiff and just, and just fire anti-aircraft. Anything to do. Oh, God, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it ends with him occupying uh, uh, Japan, and uh, he and gets he gets the Purple Heart, Bronze Star, and the Liberation of the Philippines Medal, um, and a lifetime supply of Chesterfield Zoo. <laughs> nightmares and flashbacks. <laughs> Matt is this. right. Uh, you know, I think we were talking about you know how uh, how um, I, I mean, actually, Aaron, we've talked about it before. How, how seemingly normal a lot of these guys were. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. they're, they're not waking up and choking their wives, apparently, or maybe they were. No, some of them definitely were. I mean, the the a lot of the normality is um, it's being it's it's that they same, get it out on their wives. You know how yeah. JK, JFK cheated on Jackie O, and it was no. never really reported. No, no we did not. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We like we know about it now, but it, it was a gentleman's agreement, basically, among everybody, not to. You know, publish, about publish how insane someone is being because they're like, no, he was in the war. It's okay, don't. don't yeah, true, it, true. Know? And so you don't. Well, I think know I think that. one thing that's helping too is he says, um, he goes, I was bitter about everything, and at loose ends when I got out of the service. And he goes, I think I turned to writing to get it off my chest, and I think that was incredibly cathartic for him. And that's yeah. what we, we that that is kind of what we would talk about. You know, we talked about. Hemingway, and we talked about Orwell, and we talked about all these guys that that, and, and who else did we talk? We watched that one documentary. Who was that about? Oh, oh, Salinger. Yeah, you know, they you know, the reason that they seemed normal to some, or at least outwardly, was that they were getting it out. Yeah, they were, yes, writing. They were yeah. writing. Yeah, because Vonnegut. Yeah, I mean Vonnegut, the shit he yeah. went through. Jesus I mean, I mean his, his books are if. You, they the, are PTSD flashbacks. The subtext is uh, the the weight of them is not light, yeah. but because he's he's funny and he's clever and he has all of these characters that are uh, fun, mm -hmm. it seems like it could be light. That's but when he when he him. when he calls Slaughterhouse Five the Children's Crusade, yeah, that is a very very dark joke. Yeah, and the point is they were they were children because they were children because because he was talking to uh, one of his best friend from the war. And he was talking, telling him and his wife about the book he was going to write, and his friend's wife goes, "I don't want you to glorify war." And he says, "I'm not going to glorify it. I'm calling it the Children's Crusade." Uh, yeah, because it sounds fun, but no, it's these are children committing the worst thing, the worst acts yeah. that you could you could ever. Well, do. it's so funny too because you know um, when Carlin says that thing about these guys that were told like fighting for your country is a great honor. And then they go and they see the meat grinder and yeah. they go like, nothing fucking glorious about that. Yep. Uh -uh. You know? No, these guys in World War One were like, if you step off the wooden walkway and you just get stuck in this quagmire of muck right. and, and then you die slowly while a thousand troops it, march past. And how, how much how much of uh, of wartime, especially like in World War One, is digging a ditch? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how about this? Yeah, and this is what I, I really realized when uh, well, I was talking about this stuff with uh, Caesar. Every every fucking everybody's a builder. 
Yeah. Everybody's like a, like a skilled crap. They'd be like, all right, we need to build a gigantic fort to surround this town. It's like, all right, we'll have it done in two days. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, well, all the privates become, they put down their guns, they pick up hammers. and it's just Everybody's a fighter and a builder. Yeah. They were like, there's no other way. Yeah. yeah. And that was what set them apart, you know, from everybody. Huh. Um, and uh, I don't even know if that's been ever fully replicated mm-hmm. in, in any fighting force. What is your profession? Well, a few things. Yeah, you know, I'm, well, a, I'm a singer. I'm a I, dancer. Yeah, I consider I, myself a bit of a shutterbug. <laughs> uh, I'm also a performer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I'm a prestidigitator. Where's your wallet? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So he goes back and uh, he goes home and he, he's working at like a rehabilitation hospital and then he, he he's accepted to Antioch before the uh, before the war. And so then he goes, and he would kind of go, and he would do a semester, and then he would work, and he was just doing it, like, at his own pace. That is the best way, when you're out of high school, that is the best way to college, yeah. is to do it at your own pace. You right. don't need to do it right away. Mm-hmm. Go, you know, do... Have a gap year. Do, do, give yourself the space to do it so you, you have energy and you're excited, you're excited to do it. Yeah, so you're excited to go to school again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that if I went to school now... Uh, apart from all the bullshit that school is with teaching you nothing uh-huh. now i would be so good at it uh-huh. well, that's, the, that's the thing you know when i was 25 and i, I went to college i was pretty good at it yeah i, I mean i flanked out twice because i the first the first time was me just being like i'm supposed to do this right and then i went there and i was like i don't want to do it i don't want to do this yeah and then uh, there's nothing else to do but other than just Get drunk all the time steal and steal bikes. And yeah, stuff. Steal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bikes. I was blacked out when I did. Hey, listen, okay. Keep, okay. Leave, leave race out of it. Yeah. Well, we just lost a bike at the house, so it's kind of a touchy issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. Uh. It but yeah, me. it's okay. uh, um. You know, you. Uh, I, I think I've said it on the show before. Like the, you know, the Greeks didn't teach and you math until you were thirty. Mm-hmm. You're just not there yet. Yeah, and the brain's not done. Develop. It's not. Yeah. Bra- it's not done braining. It's not. And it's braining men. <laughs> Hallelujah. I love braining men. <laughs> to the dome. Oh, God. Uh, huh? Well, you know, that's how you become a zombie. He, Two. He's taking advantage of the, of the campus radio station. And, you took um, advantage of it? Yeah, what, what is it? Was it passed out? Like Matt? <laughs> it was passed out like Matt? Yeah. What are you talking about? No, no. Well, he took advantage of it. Okay, what? well, when was Matt passed out when he stole the bike? Yeah, no, no. Oh, you were blacked out. Yeah, I hey, I woke up it. on you the bike. I, s- I came too. You came too. The bike. Oh boy! Yeah. Yikes! Yeah. Bikes! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but, but, That's so, a real bike sex. And I came too. <laughs> Very On cool. The bike. Very cool. And I farted. Plus I farted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a tasty time. Oh, I still swallowed. <laughs> Good. Thing. Oh God. I know. Came to feel so good. <laughs> so this is the first time he starts. He starts directing the uh, the radio plays and stuff mm-hmm. on campus, and he meets his wife Carol. Hey, Carol, that's listening to him fall down the stairs for years later. Um, <laughs> music to her ears. The foley must have been. Check this out. Carol died in January this year. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Forty-five been... years after her husband, and was buried next to him this year. Is that a oh. mystery? Huh? I don't know. Is what a mystery? 
Is that, a, is that an episode of Twilight Zone? Oh. Well, yeah. She lived in a house with three packs of cigarettes getting smoked every fucking day. And she lived to the ripe old age of 90. Yeah. And I think it's a fucking mystery. And then every day after he died, three packs went missing. <laughs> Who's, who knows? Who done it? Um, they smoked themselves. So uh, she's a fellow student. And uh, at, at first, she, she didn't want to date him because he had a reputation around campus as, campus as a ladies' man. The five four mate, lady. yeah, he's probably packing heat. Yeah, um, <laughs> he was like, I love slaughtering the Japanese uh, <laughs> with my rifle, with my gun. He uh, he joins the Unitarian Church. I don't even know what that is. That's uh, it's it's but it's, it's a ni- it's nice, nice, uh, and that allows him to marry uh, his wife. I think it's basically just don't be Jewish. <laughs> That's or, the no, and they have unitarian, isn't that like they, they'll take anybody? I think it means you eat units, <laughs> which, you know, you do. Oh, and you touch units. Yeah, yeah. You, grab, you, grab, you, grab the you grab whole units, no, lead no. them through the dark. I don't yeah. speak Latin. They had two da- daughters, uh, Jody and Anne. Um, Anne would say that her dad would work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, but she felt like she could always talk to him. What did Judy say? Yeah. Jody. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Anne seems to be the one that she's the one that spoke at his funeral and stuff like that. She's the the more outspoken. She's Sirling. probably the she's probably the theater one. Uh, maybe. Is there a Serling theater? Well, I, no, I imagine that you know, like his his style and the theatrical one. Theatric, yeah. The ham of the yeah, fam. Yeah, yeah. The ham of the fam. Nice. Very, very good job. That's the episode um, title probably. Well, they were Jewish, yes. and so. so they had you know they had like their little lake house that was like you know uh, kind of like the cabin, some distant. Sure, but with a lake. Yeah, some distant family member has it. They go there every year, and um, so you know, they, Matt he, throws now, up. Now, there, now check yeah. this out. Uh, check check me out one time like this. <laughs> uh, for extra money in the college years, he would work part time testing parachute, parachutes for the Air Force. That sounds like a great time. I still, I just can't get. It's over. not a good time at all, Matt. Matt he received fifty dollars for each successful jump, and he had once been paid five hundred for a hazardous test. That's okay. That's not a great. Time. His last test jump was a few weeks before his wedding. How she dealt with that, I have no idea. And in one instance, he was paid $1,000 to test an ejector seat where the previous three guys all died. (laughs) I mean, is there any shock that this guy became the guy who wrote The Twilight Zone? Yeah, was there ever a Twilight Zone about a guy who couldn't die? And he was just tempting fate every time? Yeah, probably. I don't know, man. I feel like they're... Also, mind. being the dumbest guy in the unit, I, where's my magazine? Ah, who cares? I'm going to go, what's over there? <laughs> I mean, what? what? Ma- magazine? <laughs> what, something to read? Oh, oh, oh sounds pulpy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Boy, it smells like shit. <laughs> wait, so, so uh, a couple weeks before his wedding, he does the ejector seat. You think no, no, would, no. That was the one... Sounds like he didn't want to get married. Yeah. Uh, well, his la- that was his last test. Oh, that was just another one. He said his one. last test was right before that. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, anything to get anything to get me out of this one. <laughs> if you think this is scary, I'm getting married next week. <laughs> Godspeed, <laughs> Mr. Serling. Thank you for your Serling. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, huh? Yeah. No, no, I hate okay, it. Okay, cool. I think I think that uh, it, you're just basing it off of those two things. It just sounds like a guy who. Um, there's, a, there's an adrenaline to war or something. Right, where, it's the Hurt Locker. I gotta yeah, get back out there. Yeah, well, yeah. I think he had his brother being this aviation guy, and, you know, that is, like, that is that is the thing of science fiction, right? Mm-hmm. It's watching the skies. Yeah. You know? It's, it's a, a blessing in the skies. It's a yes. thrill, you know? It's a rush, you know? You're not getting that going to college. 
Uh, no, no, he's just stealing bikes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's doing uh, he's doing work at other radio stations, you know, in in kind of collaboration with uh, the Antioch. And he goes, he says, this is this is interesting. He goes, I learned time. He goes, writing for a medium that is measured in seconds. The importance of radio. Uh, you know, he's like, you got it. You got to fucking move, man. Da, 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 and um, uh-huh. so he goes to he goes uh, to managing the station in a few in a few years, and then uh, he takes uh, charge of the the whole uh, production of Antioch uh, radio broadcasting in Springfield, and he writes and directs programs. He acts in them sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He was volunteering at WNYC first, oh. and then it's um, then it's uh, Antioch is Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Ohio. That's right. that, okay. And uh, so he's acting sometimes, and he creates all of all of their output for forty eight to forty nine school year, um, and all all of the writing was his for a year. Damn, he's a unit. <laughs> he's a unit. Um, an absolute unit. Yeah. And so while he's in college, still he gets he gets his first uh, kind of like a claim as a writer writing for a, a show called Doctor Christian, and uh, they had a, a script writing contest and his uh won $500 it was called to live a dream and you know uh, he he meets voice actors one of which is Earl Hamner Jr and he would later be in Twilight Zones so now he's getting into all of you know the the entertainment side of things and then he's he's uh he's getting 45 to 50 a week at the radio station he's uh selling freelance scripts of radio programs and and radio was just really fucked. And you could tell it kind of broke his heart because he was like, this is a thing you can just listen to and it's nonstop imagination. It's like you listening to that Wolverine podcast. Yeah. Mm, the Wolverine podcast Like the, me- the medium is so good and he's just seeing it get fucking destroyed. Yeah. People would send their shit in and then they would hear a story just like it a week later right. from some staff writer. Yeah. Well, very, very, I mean, radio was the first big medium uh, that could extend further than any newspaper could. Mm-hmm. That could then be corrupted by the burgeoning capitalist class in America. It yeah. was like this perfect timing of of uber rich from yeah. from railroads and other things to then and other media to then take over radio and then ruin it. And, and it, it, I think part of part of its its spread and um, an appeal was that you could. You, partake in in the consumption of it while you're doing other stuff other things that's right right Right. you know when you're reading a newspaper i mean you can be on the train but like you're not doing anything else right yeah that's why it's like perfect war programming too right exactly you're cleaning the house you're doing other something else yeah you give your wife a couple of bouncing betties or whatever Uh or black beauties or yellow greenies she cleans the whole house while she's listening to rod serling you know fucking talk about you know whatever he's talking about right uh, Langoliers or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, and or you're you know you're you are driving a truck or whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing. It was one of those things that uh, sure you give it's um, but it, it is it's still so engrossing. Um, yeah, it was just it was just something. It was brand spanking new shit, man. It was yeah. real new shit. Yeah, it, it was unlike any other medium. Unlike well, not any other medium, but unlike any red medium. Yeah, it's live, but it's also the one. Don't forget that he grew up on. There's specific writers from radio 
we, we, that he really liked. And so he really wanted to go into it and really wanted it to work for him. And well, it does for a while. He grew up doing live performances in his basement. And so it's a thing that made way more sense to him because yeah. the radio itself is usually live. Yeah. It was, especially in those days. It was mm. a live thing. Yeah. It's the closest thing to theater. Sure, yeah. I mean, I've clothed. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that, Matt, at that point in, in a second. But um, So he, he gets uh, another thing he sends uh, to Grand Central Station, which had like light dramas, romance. And he's got a, a fucking thing about fighting. Uh, boxing and the guy's like this isn't we was like it's like ladies listen like, nobody wants a fighting he goes but he goes like this is good and he goes you should with with tv you can see a fight right and he's like try this baby over at one of those uh television stations i mean imagine just hearing muhammad ali on the radio as opposed to seeing him yeah it, there's a huge difference cassius clay he had at the, at the time <laughs> at the time he was cassius clay i'm just saying in general so he goes, oh, um, okay. he, he submits a lighter stuff for that same show uh, called Hop Off the Express. Ooh. Oh. And that's his first nationally broadcast, broadcast piece in September of 49. What's it about? Uh, that I don't know. And it's called uh, Fresh Off the Express? Hop, Hop off. off the Express. Hop Off the Express. Hop yeah. Off the Express. <laughs> oh, excuse me. It's Hop Off the Express and Grab a Local. Oh, I think I know what it's about. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And then the the Dr. Christian script that he won the contest for that would that would air in later that fall, and uh, he's getting seventy five a week as a professional writer at a network um, radio station in Cincinnati, and he's still freelancing and stuff like that. But you know he would talk later about the still stat- selling coke to the handicap house, not at a, all, no, making no, a thousand no. a week. You're smart no. move. I'm see you've been paying attention, of course. Uh, <laughs> and I pay uh, everything you say. <laughs> And then he's, he's, he's selling um, scripts to the parent company of the radio station, which is very smart, I think, you know? Because they can then send it out to he, their other affiliates. Yes. And, uh, but after you sell them, there's no, they can do whatever they want right. with them. And then he was also saying the thing about the staff writer thing in television and in radio. He goes, you got to fucking have ideas, man. And he goes, and once they're gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, he's like, if I could do it all over again, he's like, I'd never be a staff writer on anything. He's like, I would just do everything freelance. He goes, because there's all this stuff that had potential and you you kind of have to rush it out half-assed and then it's gone forever. Right. Yeah. You know? Plus, I feel like if you're if you're staff and you have ideas, then they get they become everybody's ideas. But if you're freelance sure. and you have yeah. ideas, those They're are still mine. yours. Yeah, and this is a yes into this this idea that's now pretty Twilight Zone. He's this is a, an idea for a weekly radio show in which the ghost of a young boy and the girl and a girl killed in World War II would look through train windows and comment on day to day human life as it goes around the country. Wow, oh, dude. And he and he goes uh, and and then it was changed to a living boy and a girl. No, and it's called Adventure Express, and they they travel by train with their uncle. <laughs> He's just like, all right, we're going to Switzerland next week. Well, it's nothing like the other thing. Yeah, and each, each week they find a new town and, you know, they hop off the express and grab a local. Probably. Like, hey, okay, that's like, Mr. Sterling, this is a great idea. Is there any reason that the children have to be dead? <laughs> well, I Freaky. It's freaky. Oh, so this is what he says about it. This is the exact quote. From a writing point of view, radio ate up ideas that might have put food on the table for weeks at a future freelancing date. The minute you tie yourself down to radio or TV station, you write around the clock. You rip out ideas, many of them irreplaceable. They go on and consequently can never go on again. Mm. You've sold them for $50 a week. You can't afford to give away ideas. They're mm. too damn hard to come by. Mm. If I had to do it over, I wouldn't staff write at all. I'd find some other way to support myself while getting a start as a writer. Well, that's, that's the fucking... That's the... 
the hardest equation, though. And this is, from a, this is from a guy that wrote fucking 92 episodes of The Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah, I wish I wrote more. But it's also a guy who was a success. Yeah, and, and you know, it's... Um, and his first success came after 72 failures. That's right. that, he, that, he, is, that is perspective. He got letter after letter after letter of no. No. Oh, what, pitching The Twilight Zone? No, no, just writing, writing submissions. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um, then, and so seventy number seventy three was this. Oh no, it was um, it was. Uh, oh, you're gonna get to it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Carol said of him in 1990. She goes, I think Rod would have been one of the first to say he hit the new industry television at exactly the right time. Yeah. The first job he got out of school was a, as a continuity writer in Cincinnati. He worked it for over a year before he could freelance. At that point, he was really working on television scripts. Mainly because of that one rejection letter that said, hey, try TV with this boxing shit. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> <That's a> thing. <laughs> yeah, they Stop. Talk, they talk try to- TV with this boxing <laughs> Black and white, white screen. Uh, and it's just like, at the time where he's getting out of fucking college, he's already a war hero. Like, it's... It's a pretty fucking good time, you know? And the thing I think that's funny about it is... I, I think you'll appreciate this a lot. Um... A lot of what will, will, will populate his struggles in TV is you got to remember, this is the network CBS, one of three. Yeah. But also, you've got the fucking, um, <laughs> you've got the craft variety hour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah. the sponsor is in the room. And that's right. It's with- the sponsor show. It's the sponsor show. And so he would find things like a guy, uh, like in one of his scripts, he'd say to somebody like, oh, you got a match? And they'd be like, oh, one of the sponsors is a lighter. We got to lose the match. We can't do that, yeah. And so he's like, I can't talk about uh, fucking uh, anything the sponsor and the network finds uh, uh, any problem with, whether it's politics or anything. And he's coming to this to do politics specifically. Right, so how do, how do you escape? How do you get around? Make your own show and make it about science, science fiction. Right. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about Earth politics. These are just yeah. aliens that look like people. Yeah. You have to imagine. Yeah. I, uh, I I think it's 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 funny. I think of that a lot. One with the Dana Carvey show where they because they grew up with that. The Dana Carvey show specifically asked for like tried to have sponsors for the episode so they could yeah. find so a way could, to make a joke out so, of it. yeah so it would be the joke the taco yeah. bell the, the mountain dude the, the mountain dude dana carvey show yeah uh and, and gene shepherd was he was a guy who would do he would have like an hour show uh i think syndicated out of chicago and spread across the United States, and then any he would be in the middle of the rant about like this is life, this is real, this is what life is. Ah, we got a we got one of these sponsors. Ah, you know, and but because he has such power, he could complain about the sponsor yeah. before they got to the sponsor. Yeah, but it's only because he was so big that the sponsor needed him yeah. more than he needed the sponsor. That's <laughs> there's sometimes uh, I remember Bill Burr used to do that on his podcast talking about Sherry's berries. It's you know Sherry's berries is a, a podcast sponsor mm-hmm. they sell berries you know like chocolate covered <laughs> strawberries and shit like, it's, oh you know if, 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 the, if the valentine's day is coming up get your wife some fucking sherry's if you gotta get your wife some fucking strawberries you can just get, 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 get them sherry's berries like that kind of shit is so funny like, when the these sponsor, guys having to talk about this shit yeah, yeah it's yeah. really and funny. The, re- the funny thing is is that it works our best they ad- don't care the best advertisement our show ever had was the read on time suck <laughs> 
Yeah. That, yeah. And, and so that's how you know it works. Yeah. yeah. So getting these guys to do it, they feel really fucking stupid about yeah. it. Sometimes you get a good one, you don't mind. I mean, we got the way, me undies. Me undies. We We're got walking the, around the house. No, I think we'll my do dick's it. falling out. Dude, I he love it. John loves it. He thinks well, they're his undies. We, we, we might have to do it for this week. I have, well, I'll have to look it up before we come back. But, you yeah, know. You know, well, you could, if you want to insert a me undies ad right here. Yeah. Uh, well, this is probably a perfect time for an ad. Yeah? yeah, let's take a break. Put on our meundies. Okay. Walk our hogs out. I got pajama pants. I'm wearing them around the house. Oh, each I got Sherry's too. Yeah, pants. Yeah, you got the pajama yeah, pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I got to play best oh, fiends. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just. I got a hot on for these undies, bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I got a hot on in them too. <laughs> well, yeah. save, it, save it for the ring. Yeah, I call right. it a Hagen Dazs. <laughs> oh, General Hagen. <laughs> yeah, nice. Hagen Dogs. Yikes! <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. Oh, hi. Uh, now, it <laughs> fell Oh. Now, where were we? His we're rod is serving. So, basically, Rod Serling is, um, he's doing this thing where he's going, like, oh, radio shoots it down, try it for TV. Mm-hmm. And he would do that. And then, eventually, a lot of these would get picked up. It's too hot for TV. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, too risky for radio. Um, <laughs> but on the Kraft Television Theater program in 1955. Yeah, it works in noodles. Um, they, uh, they took his script patterns and he had just moved. He had like up and quit at some staff writing job. And um, he had moved to a brand new town. And they, uh, this was live TV. Like you were yeah. saying, man. And so he goes, Theater. Like, he goes, for me, he's like, it was just another script. And he's like, I didn't even watch uh, the broadcast. And he goes, and um, we told the, the broad, uh, we went out with my wife. We did, we, went out, like, <laughs> we, we told the broad, we told, we told the babysitter. Oh, okay. Um, nobody, nobody knows our number yet. We just moved here. Don't worry about the phone. And the phone never stopped ringing. Because this show was a huge fucking hit. This uh, somebody said like, um, with the go out on the town and grab a local. No, this is patterns. Uh, oh. This is a, it's a Germanization of uh, this uh, corporate boss, and he's he's an old an old hat. This is Ed Begley Senior. Oh, and, uh, father of Ed Begley Junior. He's checking his email. No, who told you that? <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, he's he's um. We, we missed Aaron's good joke. Yeah. Yeah, no, I heard it. <laughs> and it wasn't that good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much John's joke. Uh, it's not. It's Ed Begley's joke. <laughs> Junior. Um, so it's, there's an old corporate boss, and he's uh, uh, there's a young, you know, uh, bright executive, and um, he's supposed to take over his place, and you know he's resenting the young guy, and he doesn't want to fire him because that that looks petty, and so. Um, Instead, he brings the guy in and, 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 and has him, like, help uh, uh, kind of take down his competition. Uh-huh. You know, he brings him closer, but uses his, his uh-huh. intelligence and energy. He sucks. And uh, this guy was, was, was fucking modeled on Hard Rock Hogan. Hard Rock Hogan. The, 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 the general yeah, from right. uh, the, uh, the para uh, troop. And um, yeah, Hard Rock back then was what? Like, the birds? In 55? <laughs> I don't even think so. It was, it was Buddy Holly. Okay, yeah. yeah. Hey, Bird. <laughs> you know that new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> we listen to this. Um, Jack Gould, who is a New York Times uh, television critic, said, 
The show, this one half hour of television, was one of the high points in the TV medium's evolution mm. for the power of the narrative and the, the, the force of the characters, the brilliant climax. Um, Sunday, Saturday Review said, In the years I've been watching television, I do not recall being so engaged by a drama, nor so stimulated to challenge the haunting conclusions of an hour, not a half hour's entertainment. Um, it was a hit with audiences, and so they demanded a second live show. Shit. Wow. And it's just straight drama. Just straight, yeah, straight drama. Nothing, just, weird, just about, nothing, freak, nothing freaky about it. Well, the thing that'll happen, Aaron, is like you said... No he, ghost kids. He can't, he can't really do... Um, Things uh, that were supposed to be about Emmett Till would get changed to just generic foreigner. Right. And he was sick of that. And so that was why it was like to escape all this, the the sponsor censorship, as well as the network censorship, it was uh, let's create our own show and then let's have it be sci-fi. Right. And that's when you get to more heavy handed stuff like uh, I Am Night, Color Me Black. Uh Huh? uh, About the guy who kills the Klansman. Yeah. And then the sun never rises. Yeah, monsters do a Mabel Street. Right, yeah. Ah, that's really... I don't, I'm not familiar with that, but that oh. sounds really amazing. That's it's, a good one. Yeah, it's, it's a good a, one. Um, but yeah, he gets much more heavy-handed. The, la- the last pure person died on the cross. Is that what that was? The la- that oh, God. Is that the one you're speaking y- of? Yes, the, yes. The last line of that episode is... No, it's not. It's midway through. Oh, but, God. But it's a, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a black preacher... Oh. That was like, you know, did you feel good when you did this? And the guy's like, yeah, I felt good killing that, you know, Nazi piece of shit, basically. And then he turns to the crowd, who's already baying for his blood, and he's like, this man, you know, should die. And he goes, um, he goes, it feels good, doesn't it? Turning around to the crowd like that, being part of the majority. Mm-hmm. And he goes, um, he turns around and he goes, the majority's all there is. He goes, I feel like minority died with Christ on the cross. Poof. And it's just so fucking heavy. Like, I mean, it blew me away in 2020. I was like, God damn, you know. Brought to you by crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chesterfields taste good. But uh, it, it, I mean, it's just how fucked up it is where it's You'll like, die on the cross mm. for it. <laughs> we, we, we won't let you tell this story if the character is a black kid. So make them a uh, Italian. Polak. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It really, we're saying we've now got a, you know, a, a, a sponsor or a brand attached to this. And they know that. Uh, people gobbling up this 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 dirty yellow cheese. <laughs> a lot of them are racist. Yeah, racist racist by craft too. Yeah. Racist, racist like mac and cheese too. That craft was, work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Craft work. Yeah. So uh, that just that just launches him, man. That one hour of of live TV overnight changes him. That's mm. wild. Yeah. Well, one hour live TV is a big fucking deal, even today. Yeah. Well, and, the, and there's only three channels. <laughs> yeah. you, you know. Um, Thirty-three percent of the market. So he's he just gets a flood of congratulations, job offers, um, novels. You got to play uh, radio. Uh, you know anything? Drawing scribbles. And so then, so then, <laughs> and this is this is this is, the, this is the bitch of what happens, and you can totally understand this. He said he starts selling all of his earlier work that's just laying around, and then the quality yes. isn't as good, so right. he starts getting criticized. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh man, Sterling's taking a dive," and he's like, "No, it's my earlier." But how hard is it to turn down all of those phone calls yeah. when you do have something yeah. sitting right there? Yeah. But you, you you don't have the full creative uh, control over them because you're, you're just selling the rights to them. No, but also they weren't as good, right? But they were there. But also he didn't think that one was that good, right? 
So I'm getting rid of it. So at that point, what do you, no, but the one that was a success, I mean. Oh, he didn't like patterns as he much. He didn't think it was anything special at all. And just the audiences loved it. Now, what, were there, was there any subtext to it? Or was it just entertaining? Well, people said of all of his work that eventually got to TV in this time, they go like, there was something to it if you watch all of it where you say there's, more than anything, there's an underlying humanity, a desire to understand the human condition that you can see in The Twilight Zone and, and Forever After. Um, so all of it was a little bit special, but it, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, uh, you know, when you already appreciate his style, that's easier to see. Right. Oh, of course, um, of course. That's one of the you know, it's great to find. And so somebody that patterns, some that you patterns was script seventy two. Not 73. He was seven, script 72. It, so it's 71, 71 rejections. Uh, funny you mentioned that. Fellas. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no, excuse me. I, and that would later on be adapted into a film. Patterns? Yeah. So Don't tell me it was Big Kahuna, dude. I'll fucking stab you in the chest. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, thank God he didn't say it was. <laughs> no, no. Well, please don't stab me in the chest. Also, Big Kahuna. Great movie. See it in IMAX. Oh. Um, <laughs> In fact, in fact, if you ask John for a movie recommendation and he says, watch the... Swimming in Sharks, Big Kahuna back-to-back, <laughs> Matt will do it and not bitch about it. Um, did you do it? I yeah. did. I did. And you yeah, had no, a great time. Yeah. yeah. I did. I really enjoyed it. Matt's more cerebral than you. <laughs> and don't, don't, don't make this a me and him thing. No, no, no. It's not a you and him thing. It's, it's a too him, late. It's a him and everybody else thing. Don't let me be with everybody else. Uh, Sterling writes uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight. That's You're on, not seeing the big picture that's here. That's on uh, Playhouse 90, 1956. Um, and so th- then they moved to California, the whole family. And uh, you can smoke all day out there. Uh, the, the TV shows, a lot of them are still airing live, man, which is such a trip to me. Yeah. Wait, live you, TV. I asked if you could see patterns, and you said funny you should mention that. No, I was wrong. It's another one um, that only uh, is something that will come up. Funny. But you can only see it at the uh, Paley. Center. Oh, of the pit for television, and it's actually it's actually Rod Serling's take on um, Christmas Carol. Wait, wait, really? Yeah. yeah. So you wrote it after Christmas Carol? Uh, you, Christmas Carol? Uh, is oh, it Scrooge? I'm sorry, this Christmas is, did, Carol, not Christmas Story. I was thinking Christmas Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. Christmas Story was like fucking nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but was it? And so it's it, it was something that was like on on TV, and it's uh, it's only at the Paley Centers in New York and LA, so we can go there and watch this this whole version. Hell of yeah. Rod Serling, and it's it's Peter Sellers. Oh, cool. oh and no. Peter Sellers is like a fucking dictator, and it, and it sounds totally over the top. And so it's him. It's you go to the the, the ghost of, of of Christmas Future, uh-huh. and he's looking over this dictator's looking over everything he's destroyed. Oh <laughs> my god! Like, 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 <laughs> it's like amazing, Osmandius type of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Behold. Yeah. yeah. Be mighty. Yeah. Get it's something. really. It's yeah. So that's something that's. Uh, you people at home or around the world, you can't see it. What? Yeah, no, it's but if you're in New York or Los Angeles, it might it might be on Torrance or something like that. Oh, Torrance. Um, Torrance is also a city. Torrance is in California. That's right. <laughs> it no, it's on, on. Yeah, it's on Torrance. Um, Kazaa, <laughs> Kazaa. I'm California. Um, so yeah, he he would move to California. They kept uh, the Binghamton place, you know, for uh, little getaways. And stuff, and so he's getting into this shit with the uh, the social issues, the censorship from the sponsors, and um, it's it's just making him sick, you know. He he's and he would talk about it in interviews, and he would just. I, I really like when Sterling gets to like dad age and starts like being like having some you know yeah. uh, this has been electrifying type uh, yeah. commentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what you see here. So the one the one he's mentioned, uh, uh, it's called "A Town Has Turned to Dust." And that was also written for Playhouse 90, uh, like the boxing script. And he had to put it a century past, even though it's about Emmett Till. 
and uh, they had to avoid race altogether. It has to be some foreigner. Oh yeah, it makes. I mean, you, you put it a hundred years ago. There's no way there's race involved. Yeah, um, and it's actually it, originally it was about a, a Jewish pawnbroker, but it was inspired by Emmett Till, and they still that was still too fucking. Um, the Jewish pawnbroker also whistled. And yeah, just so if, if listeners, if you don't know the story of Emmett Till, um, it was a, a, I mean, like an eleven-year-old boy. Yeah. I think he was that young. He was, he was from Chicago. He was with his family visiting <laughs> was, the South, and he was accused of uh, whistling at a at a white woman, uh, I believe all women. Yes. And, uh, and she uh, basically told her husband, and and he told everybody in the fucking town that this young black boy whistled at her at the grocery store, and they ran him up. They dragged him behind their truck, yeah, for a number of miles yeah. through through the dirt roads, and then into basically a, a, a barn and where they ham- hit him in the face with na- wooden boards with nails coming out of him and yeah. beat him bloody to death. And it was. And then they threw him torture in the ri- and savage, and they threw him yeah. in the river. And, and then people didn't want to hear about it. Yeah, they, yeah. I, imagine that. Huh. People don't want to hear about the slaughter of black youth in our streets. And then the Isn't that funny? Uh, then they they it's w- controversial. The white guys went on trial. They were uh, all uh, uh, judged non guilty by the white jury. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the mother had an open casket, and her phrase was, "I want them to see what they did to me." And our friend Nakia yeah. Seacrest, actress, played Emmett Till's mother. Wow. And she that she was the one that told me about the having Damn. an open casket on purpose so that people would see what they. I mean, it's. The the before and after pictures of Emmett Till are, are truly savage. Yeah, uh, and this is why you take every accusation uh, credibly and, and and you look at the evidence and not just yeah. Well, and, and and for the the woman's whole life, she said until until her last years, she said that she wasn't lying. And then when at, she was about on to die, bed, she said, "I was lying. I was lying. Fuck me. No, fuck her. No, fuck her. Jesus." John. God damn, that's brutal. Anyway, so anyways, me, me, the me was like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's got to fight sponsors. <laughs> but yeah. They really am until the script. This yeah. is another one. He was uh, A script is sponsored by Ford, so they just take out a reference to the Chrysler building. Can't even talk about the building. Man, yeah, how soft are these fucking cows? Yeah, I know. Don't even mention them. Yeah. Don't say anything bad about my product that we make way more money than you do. So he's talking to Mike Wallace in an interview. He goes, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to have to battle sponsors and agencies. Minutes, Mike Wallace? Yeah. Wow, he's been around for a long time, huh? Yeah. Whew. You know uh, you know the Fox guy? What's his name? The, the Fox Who? The, Chris the, Wallace? That's my, that's his, he's his son. No, oh, for the love of God. John, John, uh, uh, no. A couple months ago after the debate, John was like, what the hell did this guy do? Well, he was, he was his son. son. Son of Mike Wallace? Yeah. Yeah, it came out of a ball bag. Awesome. <laughs> came out of a ball uh, bag. I came out of a ball bag. Yeah, hold on. As hold a ball on, bag on. descendant, I resent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't beaten up properly. You know, you know, my five kids came out of a ball bag. Later, a test tube. But first, you know, your five, at least five, at least sixty-five, at least five, John. Yeah. By the way, I did listen to some of Dan. Can I finish this quote? No, no. Let us finish, John. Please. We have so much to discuss. Here. We have a lot to share too. You get us. A- yeah, yeah. Take your time. <laughs> you have another three-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. No, go on, go on. With your brilliant insights. Oh, I was going to talk about another famous newsman. Was it, Tell me about a famous. Oh, Kent Brockman. Hit me. Kent Brockman. Kent Brockman. <laughs> Simpsons. 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 Tell me. No, we'll do, do a later. Do it now. No, but you're right. You're right. I know I'm right. <laughs> Doesn't it feel good? <laughs> 
He says, I don't want to have to compromise all the time, which in essence is what a television writer does if he wants to put on controversial themes. Mm-hmm. So then he goes, here's the pilot for the Twilight Zone. And it's, it's, it's called the time element. And they go, well, and they just do it with uh, Desilu for uh, Westinghouse, Desilu Playhouse. Desi Arnaz and, and, and Lucy, oh, Lucy Ball. Right, right, right. And Westinghouse. Yes. And um, it's about a guy who has uh, vivid uh, flashbacks of the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he goes to a psychiatrist, and then there's a, like a session. The twist ending is that um, the patient has died at Pearl Harbor, and it's a psychiatrist having the flashes uh, or whatever. It's a plane. Um, and so it got such a huge response that CBS was like, all right, let's do this Twilight Zone thing. Yeah. I mean, um, but it makes sense because that plane episode is is basically exactly that. The episode, I think, the first season. What plane episode? The the first season, episode three or four, even. Or is about it, the plane that, that never. Or maybe went. that's season three. I, but but the Twilight Zone episode where the guy goes, the plane showed up and no one was on it. No people, yeah. yeah. And everybody's like, no people. I think, then, I think that's the arrival. That's, I think yeah. it's called the arrival. But then eventually everybody. It, it it every piece of it breaks down further and further until you realize this one guy. Mm. Imagine, oh, true. Yeah, that is kind of like that. Yeah, and but but it's such a good it's such a good twist. It's such a natural. It's not forced. Yeah, it's it's just this. And it was sixty years ago, so it wasn't hack. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. But but it but it's it's not it's not a sharp turn. It is a very casual it is turn yeah it's a, it, i mean it's a legitimate mystery yeah and not like a hard like punchline yes right. twist you know yeah it's not like and me it's you know it it yeah it just works um yeah this guy he just never stops working too you know like uh amidst all this if there's like downtime then he'll just like have a teaching job sure you know smart uh you you, you, you know you're just working he was just always fucking working man and um so he, he fights really hard. Um, October 59 is the premiere. So it's basically 1960 and on. And he fights really hard for creative control. And uh, he brings in Charles Beaumont, Richard Matheson, son, Chris Matheson, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, um, the science fiction format would not be controversial with sponsors, network exev- executives, or the general public. And, is, and would escape censorship unlike the earlier scripts for Playhouse 90. And that is true. And it's the thing, you know, we were, me and Matt were talking after we, uh, we were here, and then I was... It was a joke. It was a joke. And then, um, <laughs> and then we went home, and I think we both were watching Twilight Zone, and we were talking over text. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like, you know, we were talking about how post-war, like there's so many themes of like just sheer humanity, and, 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 and you know, like... Um, and it's like, you know, for a guy that was steeped in blood is like it's all about forgiveness it's yeah. all about trying to be a better person yeah and um the sugar for the pill is aliens yeah <laughs> because aliens are as american as apple pie and that's monster right. trucks that's yeah, right yeah. like you think aliens we're a country of aliens believe yes. it or not aliens america owns aliens Yes. People yeah. in Europe don't give a fuck about UFOs. Yeah. Americans are like, fuck yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 such an American thing. We love aliens and we hate aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um it's it's a thing, you know. We're desperate for them. Mm-hmm. We, but, we, but we don't want them. I guess part of the thing of like, you know, the advancements in the um science that happened the, here. The, the anal probing. No, I mean <laughs> I mean as a country, the nuclear our interest stuff. in science fiction, I think, is a little bit 
more yeah. because we always are there kind of first yeah. in a lot of the advancements. You know, sure. and that's something a lot of people would move to America for. It's also but, a pride. the excitement. It's just, it's just pride uh, to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is like the yeah, like where we lack uh, culture. <laughs> yeah, we do is. have uh, technological advancement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we never use. Only it. if you can blow people up with it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like we have the advancement, well, well, but we don't actually use it. So our schools are not better than the ones in Europe, but we imagine a future in which we always are. And so right. we just use the idea. And we, and, we are, and, we, and we attract the best minds from other countries <laughs> yes, exactly. while neglecting our, the, our young burgeoning minds <laughs> yes. in our own schools. Yes. And then we get angry that the other countries are, are taking the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we build up the requirements so that only we other countries can take it. We our aliens. Yes. But there is there is a, a huge thing of um of humanity and, 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 and gentleness that runs through like you know his work and yes, I yes. guess the work he would pick up from other writers. Um and uh there's one time where he doesn't do a closing monologue. And it's because he wanted the audience to make up their own mind because he equally believed both sides were right. Oh. Very interesting. And that was about a guy who was collaborating with the enemy in war, and he was trying to convince his fellow prisoners. Uh. It's called The Rack. And then he gets put on trial, and he's found guilty of collaborating with the enemy. But is he? And, yeah, Serling just... But he is, but... Is that but, worth but also, killing a man? But also, for? yeah, yeah, and also under those circumstances, what a man does to survive, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, it was like cannibal stuff. It's the only one where he just walks off and goes, "Yeah, he figured mm -hmm. it out." Because I, 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 I haven't figured it out, right? You know, that's. Right. I mean, if you can write a story where you don't know the truth to it, that's really tough to do. And, it is, but if you can, it's, you, you know. Uh, it's one of those where we're like, well, this guy is a traitor, but he's a traitor to a corrupt cause. So yeah. is he really a traitor to humanity? Right. One of those things. One of those kind of moral ambigu ambiguity questions. I mean, it, I mean, that you can do thing, those really well. It means you've written a really good story if it's fleshed out enough where you understand both sides mm -hmm. and you can't pick one. And you your character is so real and honest that, they're, they're, that you don't want them to choose a side because mm. that's not who they are. Right. And that's, and then the fact that you, at the end of it, you, you don't. Well, you know what? I think, that, I think, really I think John would probably point out that one of the great, great examples of this in every, not just the finale, but every episode is, is the Sopranos. Oh yeah. Yes. Not giving, yeah. Not telling them what to think. Right. Yeah. And, yes, and having so. you kind of like understand people's decisions, even though they're kind of despicable. Yeah. Yeah. And, but in the moment, those, decisions make sense yeah uh yeah to write it such a scumbag but also so real that you realize that he is a human being you understand this he, is, yeah yeah it's an army captain in charge of collaborating with the north koreans north koreans <laughs> and you um sound like the guy from, from back to the future <laughs> should veterans be, basically it was uh, it was very much like it in the papers at the time should ver veterans be charged with a crime if they cooperated with the enemy while under duress and so it's a courtroom drama where the accused is put on trial for helping the enemy by urging fellow prisoners of war to cooperate with the captors and not rebel. And he, he just throws out great prosecution and defense points. Ah. And um, he's found guilty. And yeah, it was just like, he was just like, um, okay, that's that, man. 
Uh, what did he when he came back and went to college? What did he major in? Did he get a major in? Uh, it was uh, it was like broadcasting, and then it was uh, writing. Got it. Literature, all that. Um, and uh, so you know, Twilight Zone is it's canceled twice. Yeah, they Five, changed the format. It went to an hour in the fourth season. Um, the the third time it's canceled, he doesn't fight it. He's just over it. Um, and then he does. You know, he goes on. He, he's doing a little bit of film stuff. He co-writes Planet of the Apes. Really? Yes. I did not. Know. Yes, it makes sense. Um, and then yeah, it's yeah, really, it's it's really it's funny that little, that little Heston trio. It's like you know, Scarlett Green mm. and Planet of the Apes, Omega Man, and Omega Man. It's Omega like he Man. just has that little thing where he's he's doing matheson and serling back to back right uh which makes i mean that you that's the easiest thing to fall into right i mean it's just like uh it's funny though because he's such a john wayne of the time right but i mean john john wayne's stories are the stories of that time and heston's stories are Are the stories stories of that time yeah yeah which are all stories of a different time And that's the time element, which is the Twilight Zone, and it is a place beyond space and time. And if you're listening right now... And, you know, don't adjust your television. Oh, wait, that's the Outer Limits. God damn it. How could you do this to me? I know it's the Outer Limits. I'm busting your bull sack a little bit. Right now, it's it's about... 11.30 in the p.m. <laughs> if you're just joining us, it's daylight savings time. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but basically he... he whoa, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Why not? Why? You're not going to go the whole thing. Well, it's just he, he kind of, um, you know... Uh, About he, the cancellations? He bounces around. Um, you know, he, he he's not really thrilled with Night Gallery. They want to push it more horror mm-hmm. than sci-fi. It gets packaged with other shows so that it qualifies for syndication. They make them. They pay them like a hundred grand to do like the syndication introductions that are different. Mm. Um, there's one where he writes a script about a plane that, if it goes below a certain altitude, it will explode. It never, speed never slows it's down. Speed. It's, it's basically speed. And afterwards, and, what, and this is for Night Gallery. This is. Uh, I'm not sure what this I is for. Like, Tales of the Incredible Flight Gallery. <laughs> and he goes he goes so anyway it's, it's this whole thing where the whole thing is mapped out like if the money doesn't transfer uh the, everybody will be killed if the plane goes below a certain altitude everybody will be killed um and everybody started phoning in the same threats in real life in real life wait, 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 what, what, what were the threats if the plane the same thing if the fl- plane goes below this out they saw the tv drama and, 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 and then real people started doing it which is like Die Hard 2. Die Hard 3. Three, three, three. Holy shit. That's and, amazing. And he goes, and this is in one of his dad moments. The first one I didn't tell you. I, lo- I love it when dads get mad. Oh, yeah. The absolutely. first one he goes, he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm trying to do a radio drama. He goes, and next thing you know, he goes, 12 bunnies come dancing out talking about toilet paper. <laughs> he's like, and he's right. He's like, he's getting into yeah. like racial justice. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, doop, doop, doop. And, you know, it's like, um, how can you think of him telling a moment like this? But he goes, he goes, um, after this one, he goes, I just wish I wrote a damn stagecoach drama with John Wayne or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, I mean, and I, for the people that don't know about Die Hard 3, Die Hard 3 has a, um, a, 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 a Apatow movie. N- no, the, the brother of Hans <laughs> Gruber is the, the antagonist. It's, mm. uh, uh, Ozymandias himself. Ozymandias Jurgen. 
You were saying Jay. I was Jeremy Iron. Jeremy Iron. Uh, yeah, who was also Alfred in the the yes, yes, sir. I guess I'll take these butt plugs back <laughs> down to the. I guess I'll take these and go to bed. Uh, and he uh, he he calls in a bunch of uh, threats to schools. Uh, saying that they're going to blow up uh, somewhere in the in the New York area, and that's in, that distracts all of the uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. and anti-terrorism squads, etc. And they were all basically within a certain distance of the the Fed, the Federal Reserve of New York, and so it left it open. And wasn't this such a good idea that someone actually did it? No, it's such a good idea that the FBI contacted. <laughs> they talked the, talk to the writers, right. and they're like, right. so. Pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah. See, you heard you hear it. That kind of yeah. thing. And that's that's what made me uh, bring it up to to John about this. You know, when when something is such a good idea in mm. fiction, that it is, if it could be seen as an inspiration. In this in case, it, oh yeah. In this case, I mean, it was the IRA did the bomb buried in the the engine because of the French connection, right? They saw uh, it and they go like, that's we can do that. Yeah, that's easy. No, no, think about it. I yeah. could put a man on the moon. Um, yeah. And yeah, everybody's looking for the, the, the dirty cargo in the back. Right. Yeah. What if it's in the engine? Um, so, yeah, he's not too thrilled with, you know, he does the, the um, uh, night gallery. He's not too thrilled with that. Um, he has steady work the whole time. He does a, a little um, Western called The Loner hmm. on TV. Huh. And it's the they were like, we want more action and less characterization. And he was like, no. <laughs> so then it was doomed. Plebes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a Carol for Another Christmas, 1964. Oh, here we go. Modernization, a plea for global co- cooperation across nations. It was telecast only once, December 8th, 1964. The only television movie directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. And it was the film in which Peter Sellers gave his first performance after a series Sellers. of near fatal heart attacks in the wake of his marriage to Britt Eklund. That makes it sound like she was responsible <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, heart attack. Yeah, yeah. So, Mank, Mank th- I think David Fincher's next movie is about. Mankiewicz? Yeah. Really? Uh, or Mankiewicz. I don't know how, how it's pronounced. but It could be Mankiewicz. But I think it's uh, I think it's uh, Gary Oldman and... Gary Oldman. I think it's Gary Oldman and... I mean, the cast is supposed to... And I think it's David Fincher doing this, this Mank thing. Interesting. Wait, what is Mankiewicz's first name? Joseph. Joseph Mankiewicz. Joseph L. But I think there's a few famous Mankiewicz, so yeah, we, we got to look into that. Yeah. But, but he no, was, uh, jo- Joseph Leo Mankiewicz was an American film writer, screenwriter, and producer. Yeah, long exactly. Hollywood career, won consecutive Oscars for both Best Director and Best Writing wow. for A Letter to Three Little Wives, 49, and All About Eve, 1950. Oh, and there's it, only one Gary Old Man. Yeah. He was also a Dracula. Yeah. So he Sellers portrayed a demagogue in an apocalyptic Christmas. Jesus fuck. That sounds cool. And uh, Sterling a, Hayden... I love his punk album. Sterling Hayden, who's also in Doctor Strange Love with Sellers... Uh, was in it. Um, Eva Saint Marie, uh, oh. Ben Gazzara. Eva, Eva Marie Saint was also. Eva, a, Eva, yeah, she played Lois Lane in the original uh, George Reeves Superman oh. uh, serial. Uh, Mancini does theme music. No shit. Yeah, he just does the Peanuts theme. <laughs> it's perfect for a, a, a really dark movie. Yeah, he, he recorded it. A lot of people <laughs> allergic to peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's not commercially available. It can be seen at the Paley Center for Media in New York and Los Angeles, and uh, also at the. Oh, we can also go down to the University of California, Los Angeles, at the Film and Television Archive and see it. Oh, cool! Hey, yeah, that's where that's where I used to make my kids. Turner Classic Movie Telecast oh. a Carol for Another Christmas for the first time in forty-eight years on December sixteenth and twenty-second, two thousand twelve, and TCM aired it. Oh, the Apocalypse again, December twenty-first, twenty-second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next year, the TCM did it again. 
Um, just in case anybody missed it, he was in. Um, he, he would co-star in things. He'd be the guy like in an occult shop. There's one where he co-stars with a very young Jodie Foster. Cool. And he's like got like a weird, you know, uh, beatnik goatee and stuff. Sure. And he was like kill, kill Reagan, kill uh, Reagan. Zero Hour was his final program. Uh. Um, and that was radio. And so he goes back to radio, and you can see, man, like, to, I think radio to him is like comic books to you and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he's just like, I just want yeah. good shit on this. Because think about Rod Serling listening to fantasy radio in his room and just being like, oh, being transported. God. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, now, Matt, this is one for you. Uh huh. Oh, boy. His final radio performance, totally out of left field. I love left field. It's just a few weeks before his death. It's mm-hmm. called Fantasy Park. You ever heard of it? No. It's a 48-hour-long rock concert. 48-hour? Aired by nearly 200 stations over Labor Day weekend in 1975. Dozens of rock stars of the day and even reunited the Beatles. Hold on. <laughs> it was also completely imaginary. A theater of the mind for the 70s. <laughs> using record albums recorded live in concert plus crowd noise and other sound effects. Oh, that's fucking Stations awesome. who aired this special were reportedly inundated by callers demanding to know where it was. That's fucking So they could awesome. go. A live show <laughs> that isn't fake. real that you're yeah. faking with crowd noise. That's fucking amazing. Oh my God. Uh, uh, KUNS general manager recruited Serling, his old teacher, to reg- also the Babylon 5 guy got uh, work criticized by Serling in uh, high school work. That was part of his teaching career too. I thought. Oh, oh, so the Babylon Five guy had Sterling as a prop. As as a guy that read it's his like, writing. This stinks. Yeah. Well, no. It was, I, it said it was a like a defining moment in his writing. I, yeah. I, well, that shit's really important. Like Errol Morris was a student of Herzog. Oh. Yeah. That's a. Er, it stinks. Werner Herzog eating a shoe was <laughs> Werner Herzog saying, "If you can make a thin blue line, I will eat my shoe." Yeah. So um, these guys becoming teachers is it's transformative. Only, it's it, it's it's a passing down of generational. Your writing uh, reads as as, I, as what I would imagine shit tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is great. Listen to the wording of this. They bring in Sterling to do all these bumpers and promos, and he goes, "Hello, this is Ron Sterling, and welcome back to Fantasy Park. Hmm. The crowds here today are unreal." <laughs> Truly fantastic. Uh, you wouldn't even believe This is it. Fantasy Park. Unbelievable. If this you is, saw them. This is Fantasy Park. The greatest live concert never held. He says that. Yeah. That's fucking... That's so... Oh, I love that so much. So cool, man. And does it do a fake... They, with crowds and everything? I... The Beatles would have loved it. If well, it's also something that be, is the Babylon 5 guy, the writer. J.J. Michael Susan, yeah. Oh, comic book writer. Yeah, yeah. I fucking totally forgot about that. Yeah. Straczynski was a student. Oh, of Rod Serling. Well, yeah, it was one time where he came in and he was criticizing yeah, it, writing. Right. Um, and then so, he fucking wrote some badass he, Spider-Man he, shit. He would go and he would do, you know, uh, lectures and stuff. But yeah, he, he would do full-time teaching classes. But occasionally he would come by and be like, show me where your nerds are. Yeah. And then let me, sh- and let me see their shit. Yeah. Uh, which is really sweet. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Um... That old fantasy park thing, you know, NPR did something like that a few months, like maybe about a month ago. Really? About they were going to do, you know, their their world concert or whatever they they normally do, like the Hollywood Bowl, but instead they just oh, did right. it kind of all digitally. And I mean, you know, do a fucking fantasy park right now. Yeah, that'd be a pretty great time. Nobody can go see shit. Not here. <laughs> so yeah, he was uh, May, May 3rd, 1975, minor heart attack, hospitalized. Uh, 
was released. Second heart attack two weeks later. Open heart surgery. 10-hour long procedures performed on June 26th, but Sterling had a third heart attack on the operating table. A heart attack uh, on the operating table. Died two That's days later insane. at a, a Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester. He was 50 years old. His He's funeral and burial to... That's where Sam Patch died. Coincidence? I think... Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I think you don't get to go. Don't don't live in Rochester. Yeah, it's a big big issue. So yeah, it was um you know um, uh, he, he like he doesn't seem like the greatest success of all time, but in uh, hindsight, it's I think so. Yeah, it, it, maybe, I mean, who's the greatest success of all time? Well, I mean, yeah. he, he is a, getting canceled three times in five seasons. And that's not and his fault. And it, and no, no, no. No, I think it's a testament to the greatness. Yes. Because he, he it succeeds despite the yeah, roadblocks. And it's it's one of those shows like it's it's in the top TV shows of all time. It's and a it show still that still holds up. It's a show that is still affecting shows today. Yes. Yes. And people said that he saw the decline of radio happening to television and he was determined to stop it. Yeah. Um and, and he and, made radio plays on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All that's all they are. Yeah. And they were good. They weren't. They're, no, they're great. They were better than they were as radio plays. Yes. Which is like they were better than they were in the original. He took a thing and put it into a new medium and it was better than the original. Are you medium. familiar with uh, FCC chairman uh, Newton N. Minow? Minnow sounds like a thing I heard. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I suppose it does. But oh, the, the, fra- the phrase, are you familiar with FCC chairman, <laughs> is... Well, because... Well, uh, Ajit Pai. This, yeah. this speech, Only if they're terrible. Yeah. This speech that he gives, um, he calls television programming a vast wasteland. Yeah, only if they're terrible. Citing the Twilight Zone is one of few episodes. Really? In 1961. As a good thing? And, as a good thing. Well, no, he was saying television sucks, the Twilight Zone's good. Right. And that speech is still cited on and on and on about, like, you know, basically speaking to the peak of people's intelligence. Absolutely. And how, how television does not. Right. And so um, it's ironic that it would come from the FCC because you, you wouldn't think the demands for quality would be there. But also America was a different place then. Yeah. It was a different place. And, and he also kind of wrapped, like you said, he wrapped the, the medicine in sugar Yes. Right. The, the, a little bit of sugar made the medicine go down. Where you know, how many episodes were critiquing uh, uh, bastions of power like the FCC? Yes. Right, right, right. Um, and whether they understood it or not, I mean, good. It, it's still good. It's and, still good, it, man. It, I mean, it I, still speaks to the top of your intelligent intelligence ha- over half a century later. Yeah. And nothing. Nothing comes. I mean. Black Mirror is is about as close as you're gonna get. Yeah. Now here's uh, here's my question of for a uh, different us. Uh, uh, think about this. Think about this. This is a imagine. Go- imagine if you will. This is a guy. Say it. Imagine if you will. Oh my god. <laughs> this is a. <laughs> this is a guy. That is, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a, a sweeter, kinder soul. Goes to the military. Watches death every single day mm-hmm. and comes back and he has a lot to say about seeing the blueprint for Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And then everybody wants to act like it's fucking all beaches and boat rides and sunshine, lollipops and rainbows. And you got to fight them to be like, we got to tell these people what the fuck is up, man. Mm-hmm. And like how much patience that would take. I mean, holy fucking shit. You're working up with nightmares. You got to fucking do 22 episodes of fucking television, most of which you write. 
And then you got to fight fucking the cheese guy who never went to see what yeah. you saw. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really hard. And it's also, it, it would seem to have such urgency in you mm. to be like, mm. we cannot coddle these people too much. Right. Because a generation later, they'll be going to war. Mm. And also the whole time he did speak out against the Vietnam War. He was, he was an outspoken anti-war activist. Um, but also he was the first to sign up when he knew it was the right thing to do. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, what was your question? Just what do you think that would be like? Well, I, I imagine what he had to He's do. He's listening over here. Go ahead. Wait, there wasn't a question. I don't know. I, I imagine what you have to do is uh, he, the, the, I mean, you have, you have to ask that question without asking that question because you're part of this whole structure. And so you have to ask that question in a way that is couching that question within, with, with, with you're covering it. You're at, you, you can't say, Let's talk about Emmett Till. You have to say, let's talk about Italian immigrant. Yeah. You know, and so you're constantly trying to... Try Emilio Tillo. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. basically... He's and, Southern Italian. Yeah. And how Sicilian. frustrating that is. And, you know, because of the monopoly on the media at the time, which, you know, the, there's three stations. There could have been... Could there have been more? I don't know. Was it a monopoly thing? Was it because of technology Triopoly. thing? Uh, but these, there's this balance between getting your story out and getting your story available to people. Yeah. And there's a balance between someone, anybody can can get their story out. What's the balance of compromise that you make to, to ensure that it gets out while it, Mm. while without diluting it. Yeah. You can be the most, you can be the most, um, uh, stubborn and, and stalwart in, in the purity of your message, but mm. it'll never get out. Right. Or, but also or the, you can get so, you can be so, uh, you can get so pushed around that you change it so much and, and it does get out, but it's no longer even, a, you know, a shadow of the story that it was right, before. Exactly. Right. But I think to answer your, the question you really asked that you didn't answer. <laughs> Sidestep. Is that, which is really brilliant, really, really great job that you did. <laughs> but I think to answer your question, I think is for some people, I think guys, you know, for guys that have, 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 have seen what Rod Serling had, had seen and, 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 and many veterans and people who have had. Yeah. I know you don't, uh, I, I know you don't want to shove, uh, you know, uh, gore from the Philippines in front of little Jody's face. Right. But what I'm getting at is I think, you know, after going through experiences like that, everything else is cream cheese. Yes, but I think well, the activist... You, activist- you get patience. But the activist side of him would be like, how can I fucking make these people understand? But it wasn't, no, it, sure, it wasn't but I think, cream I think, cheese. But I think patience is... I think that's, that, that's certainly something you learn in war, right? Well, what he... he, what, le- what he le- war is 99% waiting around and 1% extreme horror yeah. and terror. I, I mean, he learned that getting your show canceled is not as bad as dying because a fucking food falls on your head. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. And so I think it... it, it if it reframes hmm. your... How do you die? Lunch. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> R.I.P. Martin. This guy paid with his life. The sandwich is not that good. <laughs> actually, it was, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, the sandwich is to die for, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what did it uh, cost? How much you pay for this? Sandwich? Everything. Uh, so, I think, you know, like it, it just reframes your uh, your... Uh, your subjective uh, reality in terms of what's a pain in the ass and what's not. And once you've gone through something like that, like, well, 
I can is if I know that I'm going to get out what I need to get out at the end of dealing with all this red tape and bureaucracy. Mm. You know, it sure beats a bayonet to the chest. Sure, but that's good. But then the tough part is the t- I mean, I, the tough part after that is when you're doing that mm. and you still get canceled, and then you yeah. still get canceled. Sure. Like, how many? I mean, when he did get canceled, how long was it before they were like, "Ah, come back"? A year. Well, no, no, so the, that's the thing is that it's it's this frustration about thinking about like uh, my stuff about humanity and telling truths is what got me here, and now you don't want my humanity and truths. It, it, you know it, what I mean? Are those the reasons that it got canceled, or, or were there ratings reasons? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think it was. It, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, partially. You know, rating stuff or whatever. Um, I think it was kind of like Black Mirror now, right? You don't want to see it all the time. You want to not get bummed out. Yeah. It's too, as much it, as you like it. It's too I real sometimes. I don't want to, you know, I, there's parts of the last season or two that I just haven't watched because I just can't take it. Well, yeah. what, did, what, did, what did I tell John? I that? love it and I want them to keep making it. Yeah. Can I, I wish there was just a button that said, yeah, I watched it. <laughs> so, so, so last time John and I were talking about Twilight Zone, I was like, I can't watch it every night. Yeah, because every episode there's a man screaming. <laughs> there's a man going, "I don't know what's going on." Yeah, you've what got one fuck? of those in your. I got one of those in my head already. Yeah, and so like I, I love the the storytelling, but I do not want to listen to someone scream every yeah. time. <laughs> no, but they're in the Twilight Zone, man. I know, I know, <laughs> and that's the tough thing is because it's, <laughs> this Twilight Zone is out of sight. <laughs> right, this is a nice time. I really like there's it. Girls oh, screaming in your pornos. Guys <laughs> screaming in your your zonos. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, I texted Matt. I was watching one. I was like, "Oh, there's no screaming yet." One like, minute later, one minute later, they're all, the whole town is screaming. Yes, exactly. uh, that was the "I am, I am the night color me black." Okay. Um, the titles were so good. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's just an iconic. It's it's just so. It is maybe the most iconic TV show of all time. But it's not. It's not a bingeable thing. It is a thing you can watch once a week. It's perfect once I a th- week. I think you. Hey. I mean, here's the, here's. I agree with you in general, but sure, sure, sure. I will tell you that there a was, New Year's marathon those, is nice. Those sure, sure, New yes, Year's or, or Thanksgiving yes. Day. Yeah. I think sometimes they would wrap. They would sci-fi do like, would definitely do it on on uh, Sci-Fi Channel would definitely do it on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and then and, I think and it was th- nice. I think sometimes. Sometimes, like on Thanksgiving, they would either do like maybe Adam's family, but I feel like there was also a thing, a, a Twilight Zone marathon. Right. On those, th- I just remember like sitting, like doing like helping people cook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like oh, seeing. It's, it's great seeing it with multi generational people. Yeah. Like, yes, oh, yes, because yes, they yes, remember yes. when it came out. Uh, we used to well, lynch well, people well, back people, in my day. Well, well, <laughs> younger folks who have never seen it before seeing something in black and white on TV and going, oh, this is good. Yes. You know, that's what that does. It's so, it, it, it's so. Uh, it's timeless. Yeah, and but, that that and that was the whole point of the show. Yeah, is that it was the time element, and it was a place beyond time and space, and sight and sound, and uh, mm. the vertical and ours. Oh no, no, that's that's. I mean, I I, 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 I wonder. But, I, I imagine that like the the it's par- the most the, timeless. TV the show. parallel today is like so you would watch that, and then you'd watch the Odd Couple or something that would come on right after. So it'd be like yeah, what, serious. We, when we or get funny, a TV guide from nineteen sixty one, and now it's like a lot of westerns. Now it's like Law and Order SVU, yeah. and then like and, then Law and, and like Brooklyn Nine Nine. I mean, no, they're not different <laughs> stations, but but I'm saying it's like that type of thing. Are where police like, procedurals are westerns? Yeah, police yeah. and doctors, yeah. doctor procedurals. Yeah. What What's is they that exactly? about, dude? I think people love honestly, the medical I think drama. It's either conscious or unconscious. It's uh, uh, like psyop. Like, oh, trust lawyers, trust, mm, trust cops, trust, and cops, trust doctors. Trust doctors. Meanwhile, yeah, in America, institutions. Meanwhile, in America, 
You can't. Who are the people fucking you the most? <laughs> yes. Cops, doctors, and lawyers. But not that, but hospitals. Yeah. Oh, no, doctors are good. Doctors yeah, are good, but, but hospitals. Yeah. ER, yeah. Chicago, Hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing, too. Other yeah, stuff. And then when you get to, like, Breaking <laughs> Bad and, and, and The Sopranos and stuff, it's them admitting that crime and drugs are also long-standing institution. And honestly, yeah. and these, are the people, these are the people you like the most. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because at least they're being honest about it. You know yeah. what I love about this is just a little tidbit. Uh, Breaking Bad, the yes. Spanish version. Do you know what the title is called? Mm. I, it's, it's better than Breaking Bad. Tuesdays with Maury. It's called Metastasis. <laughs> Metastasize. Wow. But it's that's, Breaking Bad. That means to break. That, it means Breaking Bad. That's yes, really, that's really good. Metastasis. But he's got cancer. Yeah. Yes, it should, Could you imagine if the show was called Metastasis? Yeah. Oh god. It's maybe a little too uh, a highbrow for an American audience. But fuck, that's a good title. That's really man. good. That's way. Yeah. yeah that's that's uh, more uh, appropriate. I feel the execs in America were like, "There's no nobody's way nobody's gonna get yeah. that. Nobody's gonna know how to I say know. it. Could yeah. you make it have the same letter twice? Is his name Matt? What is uh, this? <laughs> yeah. Can you just make it have a b- b- uh, alliteration? <laughs> they were like, do you see metastasis? Uh, <laughs> that show's nuts. That's what it would be. <laughs> That's what would happen, my friend. I, uh, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I love the guy. I love yes, his, I love so his, I. his contribution. I really appreciate, like, it just completely And we didn't even get into the cool 80s movies. Cool 80s movie. The, the, the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, was, re- it, it was rebooted with Forrest Whitaker. It was rebooted by Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was rebooted in the 80s. Um, John Lithgow was in, in it. In the Twilight Zone movie, uh, that's an off-camera Burgess Meredith narrating the whole thing. Oh, no shit. Burgess yeah. Meredith. Time enough at last. Rod Serling's favorite episode of the show. Yeah. Is time enough at last? Yeah. Well, because that's what he used to do in the fucking foxholes. Yeah. Yeah. Magazines are yeah. read my magazine. And his favorite not written by himself was The Invaders by Matheson. Which one was The Invaders? The Invaders, I think, is the the little one. Oh, the little no. people that are like, you know, that's the, the aliens land, but they're fucking tiny, tiny or whatever. People. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I haven't seen that one yet. I think that's it. I could be totally wrong. If I'm wrong, folks, call me out. We'll find well, out. Well, last friend of the show, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we talk about, you ever it, fuck with invaders, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John, John, I gotta tell you, uh, making me hanker for a little Twilight Zone. Dude, let's I, do it. I, you know what I would do? I, I mean, I don't want to keep dragging on about it, but it's just something great to have on in the background if you're doing other, other creative yes. stuff mm-hmm. or drugs. Yeah. And like, it's, have it on there. It's so comforting. It is. But also challenging. Like, it depends, as much as you want to like pay attention to it, it'll give right back. It has and a even rhythm a, to it yeah, where you know to hop in. It's and like having out. good music on in the background yeah. that is not obtrusive or intrusive. Like it can be there as a background thing, yeah. but that if you decide to like dive in on it, it's totally engrossing. Well, and TV at that time was so about telling you everything's chill, and you know uh, the the wife pours the man a drink when he comes home from work and bewitched. And this was a show like if you were an actor, you'd be like, thank God. The, the who's who was you on, know about, mm-hmm. the people that were on that show. Everybody from Twelve Angry Men, except for Fonda. Okay, everybody. Sometimes they would do two episodes. Yeah, Burgess Meredith, uh, 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 Charles Bronson, uh, the uh, the chick from Bewitched. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what was her? Uh, uh, we Montgomery. Yeah, Elizabeth Montgomery. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that one they don't. And you know, Gene Roddenberry is like, yeah, I'm not getting there without. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like, I, I would see fucking mm-hmm. what's his name doing. Uh, William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah, Gene everything. Roddenberry, creator of Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, Shatner with his rug in that episode with the 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 thing on the plane. 
Yeah, his, yeah. The jukebox stuff. episode with Shatner. Jukebox is great. episode with Shatner is very good. It's very good. Uh, it's like a, it's like a, like it tells your fortune. Oh, and then okay. it starts adding up, and then he can't. And then his it's wife a, is like, "Can this, we get this, out of it's here?" This confirmation bias thing, where yeah. he starts looking for it to be right. It's like, really an indictment of astrology, kind of, uh, and addiction and all that. And it, and it's also one of these things. God, we keep talking about it. We could keep talking about it. But we should in the Patreon. If you want to subscribe to the Patreon, um, please join us on there. We will continue about talking about Rod Serling. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's call it. Yeah, let's do it. And the Twilight Zone. And, and this has been an episode of. Profiles and eccentricity? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say goodnight. My name is John Fahey. Until next time, my name is Aaron Peter. Uh, you might know me as Matt Brousseau. <laughs> what was that? Yikes is what that was. Good night, everybody. We love you. Bye. Bye. Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.